Hey everybody, it's Dale Jr. back again for the Dale Jr. Download with my co-host Mike Davis. Matthew Dillner, Leah's in the house. Everybody's here. We got Richard Childress coming in in a bit. Uh, what else are we going to talk about, Mike? I, don't, I mean, Richard Childress coming in. <laughs> I mean, what else do we need to right. talk about? Yep. Does anything else matter? Well, he's got a, <laughs> RC. My, he's been on Kelly's podcast twice. She said he's an amazing storyteller, so I'm excited to hear some of the stories. Before we get to that, let's get to our friends from Butcher Box. Think about Butcher Box as your neighborhood butcher, Mike, delivered right to your front door on dry ice. Mm. All right. All right. Cook with a peace of mind knowing that you're feeding your family healthy, high-quality meats. No antibiotics, hormones, or fatty fillers. All from farm animals raised humanely. This month, ButcherBox is offering the ultimate breakfast bundle. This includes two packages of bacon and two Mm. pounds of breakfast sausage, all free in your first box. Our bacon is some of the best bacon you've ever had. I mean, I'm going to take the word for it. Okay. It's the best bacon you ever had. Mm. I mean, say, like, bacon's good. I mean, it's hard to mess that but I mean, have you ever had bad bacon? No. I know. Uh, that's, that's what I'm saying. That's hotel bacon, that floppy hotel bacon sucks. Oh, yeah. That's I love true. it. I got to have crispy. Count. Yeah. Yes. I got to have super crispy. Uh, and also, it's like, have you ever had any thick slice? Yes. Oh, yes. that's the best. Or maple yes. caramelized. Mm-hmm. Oh, God. You ever do it yourself so, where you put the maple on it? This bacon mm-hmm. is better than any of those. All right. <laughs> Got it. It's it's Whole30 approved, and uncured, nitrate, and sugar-free. The sausage is a healthy, authentic version of a classic-style pork sausage, simply seasoned with salt, pepper, and sage. Right now, new members will get two packages of bacon and two pounds of breakfast sausage added to your first box for free. Plus, you'll get $20 off your first box. Go now while supplies last, as this is a limited-time offer. Get the ultimate breakfast bundle. That's two packages of bacon and two pounds of breakfast sausage-free in your first box, plus $20 off. Go to butcherbox.com slash Jr. or enter the promo code Dale Jr. D-A-L-E-J-R. With the number three, 20 years ago, 20 years of trying for Earnhardt, he won the Daytona 500. Austin Dillon wins the 60th running the Great American Race. I started driving race cars when I was just 16. From selling peanuts in the stand, being on the scene. Ricky Rudd, it's his first victory ever. Racing stuff, you just got to go out and race every race individual and do as hard as you can. The checkered flag belongs today to the Richard Childress crew, Dale Earnhardt. Dale Earnhardt from Canapolis, North Carolina, comes off of corner number four and takes the checkered flag. Earnhardt has won again in 1987. Did he come up there and try to spin me out? Wow. I didn't take it. So we just let him drive. He's driving as hard as he can right now. stuff Matthew brings back a lot of memories I know that brings back a lot of memories for you Richard appreciate you coming out on the download man it's great to have you here yeah but it's good to be here with you guys and man what a studio I'm so (laughs) impressed with all of the memorabilia and stuff you have here it's really cool but that was a cool intro there you're a singer I yeah. mean, we had a little singing in there. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm going to tell you. Went to Nashville on that deal, and uh, that's another story. Hey, <laughs> well, we might ask you about it. Yeah. Who knows? <laughs> I think it was 1981. <laughs> I told you. Around 1981. Yeah. I've got that record. I've got two copies of it. 
Uh, you can find it on uh, on auction websites. Uh, but yeah. uh, I've I've got two copies of that record, and a lot of the drivers went to Nashville. Dad did it. Bill Elliott did it. James Hilton, Dave Marcus. I mean, the list oh, goes yeah. on and on. You were on there, and everybody got to sing a song. Yeah, it was that was cool. I, I remember this was back in my little wilder days, and <laughs> I didn't get in until early that morning, and I uh, started out singing. If you'll listen to the song, it gets better as it goes. I said, <laughs> I said, man, I got to have something to drink. They said, brought me a Coke in there or whatever it was, and I said, no, I mean something hard whiskey. <laughs> <laughs> it was Jack Daniels' days, so it got better as I sang. That's How many takes? How many takes did you do? Uh Probably in there for about an hour, maybe, or really? something. Yeah. Enough wow. to get better. That's it's crazy. A, it's amazing that they got all those people to do that, to agree to it. I mean, can you imagine? I know. I think today that uh, 99% of the drivers would have said no to that request. Yeah. So they, I don't, how did, I mean, y'all, what you, was, was the, what, what was the conversation between everybody? You going to do it? All right. You're yeah. going to do it. I might do it. Is Bill doing it? Is, is yeah. James doing it? Yeah, we, we went around. A lot of us talked about it. But I, thought, I didn't forget. Maybe they offered us five grand or something like that. That's a lot of money it. back then. It was big money for us. And uh, we went and uh, went to Nashville. They had somebody come to the racetrack. I think it was Talladega. And we sat there, and they had a couple of songwriters come in. And we uh, talked about it. And that, that's how they came up with that song. We just told some stories. Yeah. And, uh, you think they made their money back? I don't think so. <laughs> <laughs> it's, I don't really, think. it's still paying di- dividends today. I think uh, Dad's song was Hard Charger or something yeah, like that, and I right. used it as a walkout song for Bristol. And <laughs> so I'm sure Austin probably has used your song maybe even <laughs> yeah. a time. If he hasn't, he should. It's yeah. a great song. <laughs> I know Chase has used his dad's, at, at, uh, so it's still paying off after all this time. So – Richard, uh, again, glad to have you on the podcast. We have a lot of stuff we want to get to, and uh, obviously uh, we can't get to everything today, but one of the things that um, I wanted to start with is your start in racing. Uh, what what was your first uh, memory of race cars? What was your first car? Why did you buy the car? Why did you get in racing? What sparked that interest? Well, uh, it started at Bowman Gray Stadium. You know, I had been to a couple of races, went to, up to uh, Wilkesboro, went to the fairgrounds in Winston when they was running those old Hudsons and stuff. I can remember back then, just as a kid, so my stepdad carried my brother and I over there one night, and uh, we watched them run. We seen these kids selling peanuts and popcorn. And I said, man, that's cool. We could make a little money and come over here and watch the races. So he says, y'all can go, but you gotta, you got to walk over there. We'll pick you up at night. Well, it's about five miles from where we live. So we went there, and we'd go by Billy and Bobby Myers' shop was on the way, and Bob Welburn, some of these guys like that. And uh, I just sat down in the middle of, after watching these guys race. I said, that's what I want to do someday. So I was working at Adams Millist in High Point, I mean in uh, Kernsville. And the opportunity was there for a $99 claiming car. So I bought an old 47 Plymouth. And paid $20 for it. $20? $20. The best investment I've ever made in my life. And I even had a partner. So we ran it. <laughs> we ran it. <laughs> Go splits, he's on it. All right. Yeah. <laughs> and we flipped the coin. He drove it the first week. I drove it the next week. And I said, man, i got to have another car. So we become a two-car team. I think we paid 30 bucks for a 54 Plymouth, and I started driving it. Wow, it went up that quickly, huh? So 20 to $30 on those yeah. cars. Boy, I tell you. Yeah. Do you and still have them? 
No, I wish I could find that old 47 Plymouth. It's probably buried somewhere. Somewhere. What yeah. was the deal with burying cars? Everybody buried race cars. I don't. Back in those days, I don't know why. I've got some buried. I've got several of our old cars sitting in a lake in front of my house. Holy you know, cow. So I've got some of the old cars. When we built the lake, I just had some bodies that had been wrecked up and different stuff, and I just put them in the bottom of that lake. For fishing. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Did, <laughs> so I, when I was racing late model stock cars with an old guy named Gary Hargett, been around in the, since, you know, forever, working with uh, Harry Gant in the 70s, dad, and all kinds of different guys. But he told me that he had cars buried out in the yard, and I thought he was telling a fib. I thought he was pulling my leg. And uh, But people did take a... They took a backhoe, backhoe yeah. and dig a hole and push a car in it because it would just they didn't want it sitting in the yard. Yep, and that's that's what we I know where a couple of more are that I buried on another old piece of property I had back in the day. But there's no real purpose other than just to get it out of the way. Yeah, just to get it out of the way <laughs> and to get to play on the backhoe. I mean, yeah. you're always that's looking true, to dig yeah. a hole and yeah. play around, right? Uh, yeah. So you you raced at Bowman Gray mainly starting out. Did you run? Or, when did you start moving around a little bit and start making you know, start yeah. making some money? Yeah, I started out with the old claiming car and then went to the hobby division. So what the claim car means that if if you go out and win the race, a guy could buy your car for ninety nine dollars. Okay, and I didn't have ninety nine dollars to go buy one, so we just built one. And my myself and a bunch of my old buddies, we built it. You know how it was back in. We were just a bunch of kids having fun. And then I started running some dirt tracks. I started racing at South Boston uh, on the asphalt with modifieds. And then we started running uh, uh, some dirt tracks, 311 Speedway, the old Diamond Speedway at Stokesdale. And we moved around, ran some dirt tracks, even ran Concord once with your granddad way back when. Dang. And uh, so we run dirt for a while. And then in 69, probably the biggest break I got, we went to Talladega, ran the road course on uh, – Saturday, and that's when the drivers boycotted the PDA boycotted. Oh yeah, and uh, Bill France Senior. He gave us deal money back in. You got deal money to go to the tracks, so he gave us some money to come and run the Grand American cars. And uh, that evening, I never will forget him standing up on the bench in the old garage area. You know how it used to look—the old concrete top. And he said, "Boys, if y'all race tomorrow, he said we'll give you." might have been 500 bucks or whatever it was. That was one of the probably biggest breaks I got was when they boycotted. And I left there with maybe three, four grand. I don't know how much money. It was a lot of money then, more than I'd ever seen in my life. And I said, man, I'll never have to work again. <laughs> Hell, here I am still working. You know? Yeah. So you were you were a replacement driver during the boycott then? Yeah, yeah. I ran the Talladega 500 back in 1969. Wow. And that was a cool, cool now, deal for me. Uh, yeah. Back up just a second. If you had not landed into this uh, fascination with racing at Bowman Gray, did you already have some sort of idea what you were planning to do? I imagine you were, what, 16 or 17? So most kids don't really have it figured out at that point. But did you – what were you going towards before racing came and, and you had the bug? Sure, man. I don't, I don't know. I, I probably wouldn't be here today if it wasn't been for racing because I was pretty wild back in you were, the younger days, yeah. When didn't I was much, 18, 19 years old. Didn't like school much? No, no. I okay. didn't I didn't didn't make it all the way through. So okay. uh, that's just one of them deals. I had had to go out and go to work and uh I had uh four you know, two brothers and two sisters and I was throwing a little money back there. So that's when I uh had to make it on my own, you know. Early age too, yeah. 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 Well, you had a great uh great career as a driver. How hard was it to step out from behind the wheel? I mean, you made that transition. You still you weren't you know, 
30. You were 30, what, 38? Yeah, 33 or 4 or 5. Really? Yeah, I wasn't that old. I, I, I wasn't really ready to get out, but I, Dale, I could see <clears throat> I could see the change in the sport coming. Mm-hmm. And I told some of the guys at R.J. Reynolds prior to that, I said, man, if you see a deal come along, I'll get out of the car because, um, you know, you had M.C. Anderson, Warner Hodgdon, uh, Osterlin, all these guys coming, and you know I could get some top ten finishes, occasional top five, and then all of a sudden I caught myself running fifteenth or something, and wasn't as much fun. And I could see the money they were bringing in, and they were hiring even my people. They'd hire anybody that was any good. So I knew I had to get out of the car. And then Dale at Talladega means so much to me in so many ways. Um, in '81. It was 10 races to go, I think. We ran the Talladega race, and Dale and I and Phil Homer, I can't remember who all was in the room that night. It was four of us, a couple of guys from Wrangler, and uh, they said, uh, we want we want to uh, put you in the car. One of the guys from Winston was there, wanted to put Dale in the car, and I said, and I went by and talked to Junior Johnson earlier that evening at the hotel. He said, man, he says, there's a lot of good drivers out here, but we don't have many good car owners right now that are racing car owners. He's seen the sport changing as well. So that's how it all came down to putting Dale in the car, and that was enough. Life's about brakes, and I promise you, you look at an individual that's had a lot of good brakes uh, uh, that year in 81, uh, 69, 81, on throughout my life. Well, we asked uh, – we, we went on uh, social media – and asked our fans, uh, we put up a poll and asked them to predict what they'd say the most significant moment in 50-year history of RCR is. And do you think, what do you think that is? What do you think that moment is? Was that the moment uh, when, now, Dale, when Dad came? It, it probably was, but most people would think when in the, you know, we tried to win that Daytona 500 so many times with Dale. To me, that would probably go back to one of the, biggest days in RCR history and then my grandson winning with but the biggest was I think after 20 not 20 years all the years that we tried to win we won the 499 several times but <laughs> didn't quite pull the 500 off you won everything except the 500 but am I yeah. close yeah I don't Leah what'd they say yeah, um, we had 72% of people say that the 98 Daytona 500 was the most significant. I was yeah. going to say when Dad came back, either, I didn't even think about 81, but when Dad came back in 84, but you you think, yeah, you, you're the man. You're the, <laughs> you would know better. You would know better. <laughs> yeah. 84 was a big year, too. I never will forget that. It was, uh, you know, how we all came. Dale and I were hunting buddies down here in South Carolina, and we'd always talk about, wanting to get back together after those 10 races and uh so y'all so y'all became great friends after even before 81 when he drove for you because i know that i know you uh you and him met at metrolina or or got to know each other in the mid 70s so y'all had become great friends and even hunting buddies before 84 when he began to drive for you and and get on that big run yes and you know we knew each other we'd talk at the racetrack and Man, you, I, know, I want to tell you something else most people don't know. I, my brother was at Caraway, and he was the uh, chief steward or whatever they called him. And he called me the one Sunday morning. He said, if you ever look for a race driver, this was back in the 70s, I guess it was. He said, you got to look at this Dale Earnhardt. He said, last night, him and Butch Lindley was racing at Caraway. He said, he come up 
two wheels on the wall and two wheels and beat Butch Lindley. He said, he's a race driver. Yeah. So that's what, that's the first time that I, this must've been 74, five, right in there. Dale had just got started running some of the late. Well, so you, you probably raced against him then, right? Yes. Oh yeah. I raced you, against he raced, him, yeah. you raced against him one time, beat him, won the race at, uh, uh Metrolina. Metrolina. Yeah. I got pictures of that. Yeah. That was a, I never forget both of us had old long shaggy hair and, <laughs> you know, just young guys having a blast doing what we were doing. And after the race kill and I wrecked going into turn, uh, three and four, I think I said I lost my brakes, but he, <laughs> I beat Dale back to the line. He, he come over later that afternoon. I was leaning on the old trailer. We pulled our stuff with a, a trailer and a pickup truck back then. And I was sitting back there having a cool one. He come over and he said, you know, he'd grab you on the collar and he'd say, uh, next time I race with you, I'm going to beat you. And, uh, whoever knew what the history would come from that, that wow. might've been 76, maybe yep, something 1976. Like that. So you talked about you and dad becoming great hunting friends. I know that, um, dad, you know, drivers today have to kind of be careful on what they're doing outside the race car. They got to take care of their bodies. They got to, you know, they can't break their legs skiing and doing silly stuff like that, <laughs> fooling around on the lake or, but dad would go hunting and you and him would get into some pretty precarious situations that a lot of us didn't even know was going on. And one time, y'all fell down a mountain, or he fell down the mountain. Yeah, what what happened, we had ran Rockingham, I think it was, and we left Rockingham, and we were headed to Phoenix. And uh, so we took off, and we stopped in New Mexico to hunt. And we, right in the middle of the night, we got in 12, 1 o'clock at night, and we took off up the mountain. On a horse. On horses. And we stopped at the camp. Next morning, we got up, and we headed on up the mountain. It was icy, and we you'd hold a horse's tail in front of you and, you know, hold your reins in the horse. And I had Dale's horse, and he had the guide's horse up there. The guide had, actually had a mule. And we was going up this real steep hill with ice on it. And Dale's horse started slipping and myself and the horse went off the mountain. You? And, yeah. <laughs> and I flipped over and over down through there, and I got up. And, man, he was as white as I was. I think he thought it'd kill me. And uh, got back and uh, got to the uh, – up there, I killed an elk with his gun. It broke my gun. And he, he first thing he said after he seen I was alive, he said, why'd you pull my horse off the mountain? You know, <laughs> you had, but, you know, I said, hell, I couldn't pull it off. I couldn't hardly breathe. You know? When you say fall off a mountain, though, how long? Come on now. I'm, it was, what's going on in my head? Yeah, We flipped down this real steep ravine, probably 50, 75 feet. What? And what? a tree, a tree caught me. It busted my spur, sternum, whatever you call it. And you were probably more upset that it messed up your gun. <laughs> It was. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I ended up using his. Both of us got elk and uh, got back to camp that night. And, and that's another thing. The only probably what kept me in it after 2001 was uh, I was at Bill France Jr.'s house and sitting around on the mountain that night. Go back to the story that night after the we Dale and I used to call it the Great Horse Wreck. <laughs> and uh and, it was. <laughs> and we got there and got back to the camp that night around the campfire and i said dale you know if i didn't make it off this mountain you'd have had to went to phoenix and raced he said if it ever happens to me you got to race the next week mm. and that's the reason i was in rockingham in 2001 yeah. wow. wow that's another part of the story yeah i've always wondered um you know we all we all dealt with dad's loss our own ways and and i always uh, kind of wondered how I'd heard you say that before, uh, but I always kind of wondered how y'all 
got you know the team you know getting the guys together getting the team together and talking about how you're gonna how you're gonna go forward how did you or how did you organize all your guys and your company and and what was that process like over the next couple of days to get to get yourself to Rockingham to get there and get and and know that you were going to continue I mean I know once you got to Atlanta and won the race with Kevin uh that was that had to been storybook yeah it you know um that night, I got back home over in uh, Florida, and I told my wife, I said, we're getting out of the sport. I'm done with it. I'm selling everything, and we're, we're getting out. And uh, had my mind made up to do that for the next two days. I think it was like on a Tuesday. Uh, I was walking at Bill Francis' house and walked around, went out on the dock, thought about that story from uh, Dale and I had out in New Mexico, and I knew then what I had to do. And uh, so I went in the house. I called Bobby Hutchins. I said, Bobby, uh, we're going to Rockingham. Have the guys paint the car white, call NASCAR and get the lowest number they got, the lowest number they had at that time was 29. And uh, I said, tell Kevin Harvick to be at the office. I should be there 10, 11 o'clock tonight. We we brought Dale back. And so as soon as I got back, I went to the uh, race shop, pulled everybody together and sat in there and talked to Kevin, put the deal together that night and uh, – Headed to Rockingham with a white number twenty nine car, yeah. But you, you said that you were you went two days though thinking you were going to sell everything. Was it the memory of that mountain that that then that made caused the one eighty? Yeah, yeah. That, that, that kept you like, me in it. I yeah. had a I had a promise. Yep, and he uh, he would have did the same thing with me if something would have happened to me. Uh, he would have had to keep on racing. That's mm. what that, that was the deal we had. Worked That's, out, you know, over over time. It's still a great loss to all of us. You know that that he mentioned the Harvick win uh, in '01, and that was another thing on our poll that I think people were voting on as far as far as a significant thing. We had Steve Park in here earlier this year. We've had Shelmer Dean. We've had people that you were connected with. I know Steve. We talked about the healing process in '01, and you know Steve winning that race the very next week at Rockingham helped us all heal. I felt like that Atlanta win. Helped us all heal too. I mean, in, in a big way. I know that you guys were trying to heal, and then him in, in, in July. July. Yeah, I, I yeah. think I think those three moments were three big healing moments. Uh, watching Dale Jr. win at Daytona, where we had lost Dale, was probably one of the better healing moments for me, because uh, I know that that we were all doing what we would Dale would have wanted us to do, and what we all needed to do. Wow. Wow. So when you came in here earlier, uh, started talking about us, uh, 1984, we was talking about this uniform on the wall and, and got to talking about 1984, 1985, 86. You had Willie Nelson sponsoring the car, and there's an old story that I've been wanting to ask you about. Um, they had Redheaded Stranger on the back of the car, and that was Willie's – Willie had a tour and a movie or something going on. That, that That's what that was called. And you, And Dad was mad when he saw it, thinking that you were pulling a prank on him. <laughs> yeah. It's uh, that's another story. I won't go too deep into it, but it is funny. I mean, yeah. it's really funny. But uh, <laughs> you know, he didn't see the car till he walked in at Daytona and seen the back of it. And like you say, Willie had a some kind of tour, and Wrangler was sponsoring Willie at the same time, and uh, sponsoring Dale at the same time. And uh, so he come in and uh, he seen that redheaded stranger on the back of there, and he come over to me, grabbed me by the what. The, is that yeah. doing on the car? I said, man, wait a minute. I said, that's Wrangler wanted that on there, so we got it sorted out. And uh, uh, but that was funny. That was a funny story. To the watch. the legend is that when Dad and 
you and went to meet Willie that Willie offered Dad a joint. Is <laughs> yeah. that true? I think that might have been 85. I'd been up in the uh, Yukon <laughs> hunting, and I flew back <laughs> into San Francisco. I never will forget that either. It's funny how you remember certain yeah. things. You can't remember what you was doing yesterday. But, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, we were waiting on Willie Dale, and I was sitting in the uh, – uh, limo that morning waiting on Willie to come. We, we and I got the pictures of this uh, this shot. I ought to send you one of them. And uh, we were uh, waiting on him. So here come this guy with a ball cap on and a members only jacket, a black members only jacket. And I said, "Who's that?" I was expecting Willie with his, you yeah. know, with his yeah. cowboy yeah. hat or something. Yeah. And he gets in the car and sits down, leans back in the car, and he says, "Boys, good morning. How you doing?" Rolls out a joint there, and he says. <laughs> Y'all won't fired it up. Y'all won't want it. Now, now we'll drink something later. <laughs> but that's a true story. A, wow. I, I was wondering if that was true, man. There's oh, just yeah. something mind blowing about <laughs> Willie Nelson and Dad and Willie offering Dad the joint. <laughs> yeah. Now you said, and no. I, I don't even know if we go down this road, but I mean, like Dale Earnhardt had to answer this too, right? He he had to. Oh, he did. He probably answered it before I did. Okay. Said, no, no. He said, no, we'll have not me. We'll I might some. have said we'll have something to drink later. You know, Dale brings up a point. There are a lot of legends and stories of, of Richard Childress and Dale Earnhardt over the years. I don't even know if it's if they're true anymore. Like, we were just, <laughs> I, I, you know, because a good story. I mean, like, these are the kinds of stories that you hear when you know people are sort of making stuff up but just to tell a good story. But I got a feeling they're all true, you know? <laughs> you guys, y'all lived. <laughs> oh, yeah. we. You know, it, I'm so happy that I was able to enjoy those many great years before social media, before cameras. You, you know, you could go have just a good, fun evening or, or you could go do something, go hunting, go eat together and, and do what you wanted to and not didn't have to worry today. You're uh, you're on your toes every minute. So, yeah. so another um, one. You know, we've got a few more of those stories of that you're gonna have to you're gonna have to tell us whether they're true or not. But <laughs> you once drove the number three good wrench car at Indy at a test. Oh yeah. You know, y'all had you had. How did that come about? Did you say I can run X? I can run X time. And they doubted you, and you said, well, I'll get in the car and go do it? Or did Dad yeah. say, you should take it for a lap? Well, yeah. how did that all happen? We were at St. Elmo's one night. It was mm-hmm. one of the early tests. Uh, we'd left Loudon and came down there. And uh, we'd, uh, I'd have a few glasses of wine, all of us, you know, just having a good time. And, uh, and they were running like 53-something, low 53s, and, you know, I had another glass of wine, and all of a sudden I could run to 54s, and I bet him. I said, hell, I can run to 50 forwards. He said, I'll bet you you can't run to 50 forwards. And so <laughs> I didn't say nothing to anybody. And I had Kevin Hamlin working on the uh, uh, our old Loudon car. Had a real quick steering box on it. Not real quick for Dale. He never drove anything real quick, but it was quicker than the other one. And uh, I said, uh, Hamlin, get that car ready. I went over and seen Bill Simpson. Got me a uniform. Borrowed one of I his helmets. Boy, this and, is serious. Uh, and so uh, the last day, the last hour of the test on like the fourth day it was a four-day test i get them go in there and put on my uniform come driving out in that car and i said i'm gonna run to 54s i put four uh no it had just regular tires on it and i didn't wasn't going maybe 56 or something so i, I had hamlin already lined up for four left side tires so <laughs> which I went the lefts are stickier than the right yeah yeah 
So, uh, <laughs> and Dale still says I didn't, but I got the paper that says I run a 5480. So I ended up winning the bet, and uh, I ended up getting this big bottle of wine from St. Elmo's and put charging it on his card, and I took it out of Skinner's check because he was in there. <laughs> so I got I got paid for going fast. <laughs> no kidding. <laughs> so did Judy appreciate you taking the car out on the racetrack? No, she had a few words with Dale next time she seen him. <laughs> oh, she, it was dad's oh, fault. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, so your wife me. was mad. Yeah. She, she wasn't proud. No, I, she should have no. been proud. She was mad. Yeah, she should have been proud. I lived through it. <laughs> <laughs> but, she, no, she got on to Dale about it. Don't you ever make him get in another race car. Well. So you said that the um, – the the big magnum from uh, the magnum bottle of wine that's thirty five hundred bucks. Yeah, you gift you gifted that to yourself. Yes, I did, and I uh, <laughs> and actually went. Now, this is true. When we won the ninety eight uh, Daytona five hundred, we had a little get together in the shop, and I opened it up, and I still got it where he and uh, Skinner signed it. Wow. Oh. So I still have the bottle in my celebration. Yeah, oh, yeah. After the we, 90, we drank it there. That's cool. That's cool. Well, that did pay off well, didn't it? <laughs> yeah. It, it did. did. Well, I'm, I, don't, I wanted to see. Did anybody know? Like, you got, you got Hanlon to get you the car ready, but when you came out in that fire suit, did anybody else know you were about to do that? No, I, I don't even think Dale knew it at the time. Because oh. Hamlin and I kept it pretty quiet. That would have been. Because we was over there piddling with that old car when he was out running. So, uh, we got her going. Was there a camera anywhere? I know our producer Brian over there in the TV is already trying to look for footage of this thing. There's there's no footage of this, is there? No. Uh, and Rusty Wallace come out there and he tried to mess with me while I was driving, but I put the softer tires on there and uh, I went like the second <laughs> lap. I think I went in the fifty fours. He says I didn't. He says he had his stopwatch. Yeah. And he was timing me with a stopwatch, but he was a little slow on a stopwatch. <laughs> <laughs> I told him he was, was anyway. <laughs> yeah, of course he was. Oh, that's so good. Them's a fun days, man. I tell you, I got so many of them great fun memories like that. Yeah. Does does owner Richard let his drivers do these things today? I try not. I don't know what they all do, but uh, you, you try just not rather to. not know. Yeah, I got gotcha. you. I don't know y'all because y'all live. He, he was talking about when y'all hunting. We have that picture of Dale Earnhardt in a in a tree stand. It's like 150 yards. He is, up yeah. in the tree. He is South Carolina. There are airplanes that uh, that fly lower than where he was in this tree. And I say to Dale Jr. I said, "Shot the dark here. He don't have a harness <laughs> around, does he? He knows <laughs> no. damn. He knows damn good and well. He don't have to be that high. But that was right. bad. Like, hey, he, could, he, he tried to get me to climb that one yeah. morning. I said, "Man, I'd get nosebleed if I went that. Hell, <laughs> he went all the way to the top of it. If he if you had a tree stand higher that he was going to put his higher. If your car was lower to the ground, he's going to come chop his springs and get lower than you. <laughs> cruising oh, the t- cruising town with Tony Senior. Yeah. So." You uh, just recently, Austin wins the Daytona 500. Where does that rank as far as memories for you? I mean, you have championships with dad, memories that just pile up. Um, where does a, where does having your grandson uh, get in the business, win the biggest race in the sport? Yeah. Uh, we're in the three car. In the three. Yeah. Where does that rank? You know, that, to me, it's right at the top. You know, nothing's thicker than blood. You know, I... I'll never forget the 98. Over all the championships and everything that Dale and I won, the first one was really great. It felt like somebody had picked a tractor and trailer off my shoulders winning that championship in 86. And uh, But when Austin won that, that was probably uh, for family. No different. I, I was standing on the truck with him in Texas Motor Speedway when you won that race, mm-hmm. both of us. He and I was up there. 
And he jumped, had on him cowboy boots, and he jumped from up there to the bottom, from there to the bottom. And how he didn't break something, I don't know, run into the winter circle. Mm. So it's, that's what it is. It's nothing thicker than blood. Yeah. Um, you were talking about winning the championship in 86, and we had Kirk Shelmerdine on the show a couple of weeks ago, and he was talking about how they, he felt like even during those times, they, y'all were still a small team. Y'all never really – y'all always kind of felt like the underdog. <clears throat> And is, is that something that you felt as well, even in 86, 87, when y'all were just – you went in 10, 13 races a year dominating. I know that the physically the team was small, the, the building was small, the head count was small, but did y'all feel like, you know, the little guy beating up on the Giants? Definitely we did, you know, and it, it was our our deal. We had the old junkyard dogs, you know, Chocolate yeah. and Will and all those guys. And – uh but we went never went to a race with Dale Earnhardt that we didn't think we were the car to beat. And uh, it was one of those deals that Junior Johnson and uh, the back in those days of Petties and Junior and Bud Moore and all those guys, they just had a lot more money and a lot more support than we had. And we built it over the years. We finally built it. But, uh, yeah, we were always looked at as the underdog, but Dale carried the load when – we couldn't. So it, it was a it was a win win. I'll tell you a quick story, Dale Jr. I don't know if you ever heard this one, but nineteen eighty five, we uh he and Teresa come up and stayed at our house and we'd take an old King Air ninety and we'd flew up to Pocono. And we blew at that time we'd blew about eight or nine engines, ten engines, whatever it was. Worst year that I think one of the worst years we ever had. And got back that evening, we didn't talk much on the plane. We got back and there's a where Dale's car was parked there at my house has a little brick wall, and I sat down there. I said, Dale, let me tell you, you need, you're a lot better than this. You need to go find you someplace to drive. You need to get you a different ride. I'll let you out of your contract next year. You just need to go drive for somebody else. We ain't doing what a champion deserves. This is 1985. I never will forget him looking at me, and he says, we started it together. We're going to end it together. Mm. And I'll never forget that day sitting out there on that uh, brick wall. And uh, uh, he was that kind of man. And I, he had other opportunities to go other places throughout the years and uh, even up in the 90s. And uh, he never said anything to me about it or nothing, but I knew he did. When did that bond really set? When did that bond, you know, to, to say, I'm, I'm not leaving you? How, how much earlier? Because you guys have been sound like best friends since the 70s. Well, he, uh, you know, I couldn't say when it did. We just always knew each other. We we believed in each other. Even in 84, 81, we'd sit there in that old uh, trailer down in South Carolina and talk about, man, we need to get back together someday. I said, we can't right now. I ain't got, I ain't got the money. I ain't got the thing. We put Ricky Rudd in there and won a couple of races and uh, – uh, won four poles in 83 to start with and won a couple of races. And uh, uh, I knew then that we could go out and win. And I said, that's when we put it back together. And there's such a long story, really, about how we got back together. It was uh, Junior Johnson. Mike Kerb had a lot to to do with it. And uh, I'll tell you those stories someday. <laughs> <laughs> well, that, that'll be when we get him back. Yeah, we'll have him back <laughs> yeah. on the show for that one. But, you know, it. We asked Kurt Shelmerdine this question, and I want to ask you too. They had Dale's back, certainly publicly. But was there not one time where you might have had to pull Dale? Just you know his aggressive driving, and you knew what he was doing. Did you ever have to go to him and just say, 
that was a little screwed up, Dale. Now, I mean, I don't know that I would have taken him out like that. I mean, it, one any time did you get a little – was it precarious of, uh, the way he was so aggressive? Well, let me correct you. He never took anybody out. He might have – somebody might have backed into him. Of course. Or whatever. <laughs> it was their fault. Got it. <laughs> if, no, I, I, never, I never said – if anything, I was probably the agitator uh, <laughs> okay. you know, to help him along, you know. What took you so long, Dale? <laughs> <laughs> no, we were at uh, – just another quick story. I got all kind. We were coming uh, – took the white flag and was coming at uh, Pocono to win the race, and uh, Jeremy Mayfield hit him going in oh, the tunnel. Right. I don't know if you remember that oh, race. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And knocked him up. And by the time he called across uh, the finish line, he said, Richard, Richard, don't you do nothing. You come over here and see me. And oh, he knew he where knew you were going. going. Yeah. So I didn't say nothing. I, I did what he told me. You know. But what? that's kind of a bond we had. You know, He knew me. I knew him. Yeah. yeah. Wow. You so, were the aggressor. <laughs> he no, calmed, no, you, he no, calmed no, you down. No. That's that's good. I guess that, yeah. I never even thought about it like that. But I guess the the, the junkyard dogs, Richard Childress, Dale Earnhardt, they all were one and the same, and y'all kind of encouraged each other. Uh, the mentality that you had uh, to be aggressive, and that y'all were going to go out there and do it and make it happen, and they's going to have to take it from you. What was my to get a little deeper into Mike's question? I'll throw out a couple uh, moments. Um, what and I want to kind of want to know what the tougher one was, uh, or what a tough what the what the toughest moment was when the controversy was the was the deepest, and and the moments that I can think of are the Winston at eighty seven that was pretty pretty difficult, but you you won the race. Was the time when him and Jeff couldn't stop running over each other, uh, maybe the toughest difficult most difficult thing to navigate. Jeff Bodine, you mean? Jeff Bodine, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Was was the wreck at Richmond with Daryl Walter maybe the toughest waters to navigate? What was what was the most challenging time uh, for maybe the team or you as the owner? Because that it, it wasn't all smooth sailing. Um, what was probably the more more difficult part of that relationship with Dad? Well, you know, believe it or not, I can only think of one time that we really had a, a true disagreement over something. And, but it went away before we even started practice. But I supported about what everything. It? Back then, yeah. it was over a pair of Nike tennis shoes or what? something. Are that, you serious? That, yeah, that Benny or Tail or somebody had put together. And I said, hell, we ain't doing that. Anyway, that's a whole other story. <laughs> <Let's> <laughs> tell it. Oh, yeah. that, that's the... no, but let's, I'll go back to the, <laughs> one of the first finds I can ever remember getting. Yeah was after Daryl and uh, Dale, Dale and Daryl wrecked at Richmond. Dale pulls into the gas pump, and they're interviewing him. You can look at the oh, story yeah. and uh, watch his face. And I know that's why Les Richter and those guys gave us a fine. Because he, he smiled when he said that was just racing or whatever he said. And he gave it one of those Earnhardt smiles, his mustache. I said, oh, it was a $10,000 fine, I think. For a smile. <laughs> wow. That's, that's what got him, though. Yeah, I know exactly <laughs> what you're smirk. talking about. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. There was a lot, lot into that smirk. I so, and but '87 was uh, those were tough. And that movie that they did, uh, whatever the name of it was, uh, Days of Thunder. Yeah, Days yeah. of Thunder uh, was about the the story with Dale and Bill Jr. And a lot, of, a lot of the story part was true, um, but it didn't all go down like it. I remember Bill France bringing us in there and. Uh, Telling us that uh, 
I want to see you guys run. If you have to run on each side of the racetrack, you're not going to get together again. Yeah, it's not. You're not going to destroy our sport. So, so. as a kid watching that particular, I think that was probably the, the toughest uh, part of Dad's career for me to understand, or or yeah, to understand. Um, I, I know what happened at Richmond, and I know what what he was trying to do there. I know what he was trying to do at the All Star Race with Bill Elliott in '87, but the that year and a half or however long that was with Jeff where whenever dad got to him, he spun him out or ran into mm-hmm. him and Jeff did the same thing. And I mean, in points races in, in, in the, in the Bush race on Saturday and the cup race on Sunday, they were just r- throwing away points and throwing away races. Uh, I remember dad got like a five lap penalty. What? Yeah. Uh, five laps. Yeah, Charlotte. Charlotte. At yeah. Charlotte, they put him in the penalty box, which no one had ever been put in before. <laughs> we got most of them laps back, though. We yeah. got a lot of them back. And for me, as a kid watching, I'm like, God, Dad, come on. We're here. You, know, <laughs> you didn't even – I mean, we got – he's fast, and we're, there's a race to win, and as soon as he saw Bodine, he goes, oh, this is what I'm doing. <laughs> <laughs> this, is, this is what's going to happen. Uh, it's like that dog and a rabbit. You just can't – no matter Did what, you're just going to chase that rabbit. <laughs> So there was never a point for you when you were like, come on, Dale, damn. No, not not really, because <laughs> I can't say it on radio, but it was it was we one of those live. <laughs> yeah, it was one of those deals that whatever he gave up guy, Bodine, mm-hmm. he deserved. Oh, he had it coming. <laughs> and, and so I never did because it was one of them deals we didn't want to be run over. And they started it. In my opinion, he started it. And once it started, uh we wasn't going to be the ones to give up. Mr. France helped us give up. There. He did. He <laughs> yeah. said it straight. He was mad. Yeah. Was he, so oh, he was, he was mad. So in the, what Richard Childress is referring to is the moment in the Days of Thunder movie where they have where the where Bill France sets down the two drivers. That right. actually happened. Japanese right. inspection, they called it in the movie. Right. right? Japanese <laughs> right. inspection. <laughs> I think it was an they Italian was... restaurant. Though. <laughs> yeah. was. Oh, was it? Oh, yeah. is that right? Yeah. That's even more mob-like. That's pretty cool. <laughs> no, what, what, what did he say? <laughs> What did he say? What exactly did he say? Was it close to that movie? Uh, I don't remember watching the movie that close. I seen it one time, and they had some fat guy doing me as owner, and I didn't like that. So. <laughs> Excuse me, I don't know who he was. At that point on, you turned it off. You don't know what they said, did you? Uh, but it, uh, he basically he told us. He says, "Boys, you're not gonna." Uh, I can go back a little further in history on another story about Bill France. Uh, Junior, but he uh, he just flat told us. He says, "You're not going to destroy this sport." Rick Hendricks and I was there, and we were all sitting around the table in his conference room. And then he did put Dale and Bodine in a car, and Rick and I in a car with him. I think he was with us, and we headed to the, an Italian restaurant. Were, were you so and Rick Dad? Let's see. So, so to get that clear, Dad and Jeff Bodine had to drive a rental car together. Yep. To the to the restaurant. Yeah. So that's so interesting. Who drove? I don't even remember. Oh. I remember they were in one car. Rick and I was in the other one. And I think Bill Jr. was with us. Yeah. Wait, so were you and Rick at odds at all over that whole time? No, I, at one time I was, but I realized it wasn't Rick Hendricks or, right. or me. It was our drivers, and it was worked up to them to work it out. And Rick and I talked one time after that, and he says, no matter what happened, no, I mean, during that, he said, we're not driving these cars. We own them. They drive them. So uh, we've all, Rick Henderson and I has always had a good relationship. But I would assume that there would be some sort of expectation if, I mean, because if Bodine had it coming, that means he's causing stuff. 
wouldn't the owners want to expect the other owner to sort of do something about their driver? I mean, yeah. Did you and uh, did you and Rick have Rick Hendrick have a disagreement on who's was who started it? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, probably, but I can't remember. But you know, I just you know, it just kind of pissed me off every time I'd see him in a car out there. Jeff. Oh, excuse me. <laughs> did, did that? Did that night? Was it over? I mean, or did, was there ever any other run-ins with Bodine? I don't think there was. Yeah, I okay. mean, we both took, we all took it real serious. Rick and I and Dale and, and Bodine, we all took it serious. And uh, but that was back in the days, you know. And uh, no, it still that still works today. I have two a uh, couple years ago here at Junior Motorsports had two employees that didn't get along, and I said they had to they had to go to dinner. <laughs> really? Yeah. I, I if they that. wanted to keep their jobs, they had yep. to take. They had to. They had to invite each other to dinner, go to dinner, and sort it out. Yeah. So that's a getting forcing them to be together and forcing them to figure out how to have make some common work. ground. Yeah. Uh, is a good way to do it. Did you make them pay for it? The dinner? Did, yeah. Okay. Good. <laughs> yeah. I, didn't, I didn't know how much you they were just, well, wanting them to work it out. It. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Before we get to the rest of the interview with Richard Childers, got to tell you guys about a new partner at the download. Robin Hood. What do you think Robin Hood is? That sounds pretty interesting. It's an investment app. Okay, you're just going to give it away like that. Oh, yeah, you were teeing me up. I was just supposed (laughs) to be suspenseful. Yeah. Well, it is an investment app. It lets you buy and sell stock. ETFs. What are ETFs? I don't know, Dale. Tell me. Options and cryptos. (laughs) All commission-free. All commission-free, Mike. While other brokerages charge up to $10 for every trade, Robin Hood doesn't charge any commission fees. You can take and trade stocks and keep all the profits. Plus, there are no account minimum deposits needed to get started, so you can start investing at any level. The simple, intuitive design of Robinhood makes investing easy for newcomers and experts alike. View easy-to-understand charts and market data, and place a trade in just four taps on your smartphone. You can also view stock collections, such as the 100 most popular. With Robinhood, you can learn how to invest in the market as you build your portfolio, discover new stocks, track your favorite companies, and get custom notifications for the price movements so you never miss the right moment to invest. Robinhood is giving listeners of the Dale Jr. Download a free stock like Apple or Sprint to help you build your portfolio. Sign up at dalejr.robinhood.com. That's dalejr.robinhood.com. Now back to Richard. I've got questions, but it's a Go completely ahead. different topic. I, I just wanted some. I wanted to ask you a question, and Dale doesn't necessarily like it when I do this, <laughs> yeah. but I'm going to put him on the spot. When did you obviously knew Dale Jr. as a kid? When did you look at Dale Jr. as a potential race car driver? Like, when was it that you're like, they have some talent? Yeah, I don't know if you even remember this, but we're at Wilkesboro one day testing, and this goes back in the real early 80s. How, how old would you have been? You were just a young kid back I'd in, let's say. So, so you must have been maybe 10, 11 years old, mm-hmm. and he was laying up in the front of the truck asleep while we were practicing. I, you probably don't remember that. No, but that but sounds about right. I went up there, and I told him, I said, Junior, I said, you better get out here and watch your dad run. I said, if you want to drive for me someday, you get out here and watch him run. <laughs> I told him that. Damn, I don't remember that. <laughs> well, you're probably still asleep. That's good advice. <laughs> yeah. No, that's good. But so, like, you know, obviously, I, I, we pieced together stories. You know, we had the Yuris in here, and it sounded to me like, could be wrong, that even Dale Earnhardt didn't actually look at his son as a, hey, this guy's going to win two Daytona 500s in his career. I can tell. I can tell, you know. But then he goes and starts running uh, street stocks with his brother here and there, and he, you know. But so when did when did the talent when when is there apparent talent in this? Was it when he got into those Bush Series cars? 
I think that was real recognizable, but I think running some of those legend cars, didn't you do good mm-hmm. in those pretty good? Yeah. We I had, remember you running. I run over Char- Hank Jones one yeah. night. <laughs> and uh, Hank Jones was uh, partners with dad in the souvenir business. Him and Benny Ertel, Benny was dad's PR guy. And they were in cars. And they had spent a lot of money on their cars. And I had the third the third car ever built by Legends Cars. Oh, wow. Like, this is the These are this the is legends. old car. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and so I got my car out there, and I'm running around. Well, um, Dad uh, had been helping me race. Well, he got tired of that. And so he sold my car to <laughs> Hank. And so now Hank's my car owner, Hank Jones. And so... Uh, we was running it, I think it's pole night or something on Wednesday, and we was right. running our little Legends cars out there, and I caught Hank for the win. I'd never won a race before. And so I ran in the back of him and passed him and won the race, and he was hot as hell. <laughs> he came to me and said, that ain't the way we race. That ain't the way, that ain't no good, that ain't no way to race. That's dirty. Hey, <laughs> and I, they had just gave me the check <laughs> for the money and the trophy. And I said, "Well, here you can have the you can have the money, and I'll keep the trophy." Oh wow! <laughs> yeah, wow! I remember that. Right, that's the first time I remember seeing you. I think it was over in three and fours where you hit yeah. him. But uh, hey, I Hank remember had that it deal. coming. Well, the funny thing, <laughs> the, the funny thing about it is, is that I I didn't know nothing about setups, and I set my car up, but I didn't know what I was doing. I was the only one working on my little Legends car. So I get it ready, and the week before we had had a race, and I caught a guy's wheel, and my car hopped way up in the air, and it landed back down on the ground, and it compressed and ruined the rear springs and made them softer. Um, it changed the rate of the rear springs, and it bent uh, the shock mount, and it, so it changed the ride height on the on the, the car. And the next week I go out there, I didn't have springs to put in it, so I left them old springs in there that were ruined. But the traction that it gave me, the drive off, because you can't get the you can't get the power hooked up on them little things. They got little um, motorcycle engines in them, and we weren't, you know, the tires were just street tires, like old street tires. And so having them softer springs and that lower ride height in the back, man, it took off. <laughs> yeah, it took off. <laughs> I remember it was that. fast as hell. That's yeah. awesome. Yeah. Did you have a big uh, think back to two thousand seven, two thousand eight, when Dale announced that he was going to leave DEI? What was your reaction to that? Uh, uh, t- 2007, we made the announcement yeah, oh, okay. that he was going to yeah, leave yeah. DEI. Yeah, we talked, and, and he definitely made the best choice, you know, because if he would have come up there with us, everybody would have been looking at him and his dad's career comparing it. And I think that was one of the things that – and we didn't want to run to three at the time. But we had talked, and uh, people's asking, so why, why didn't Dale come up there? I get that a lot of questions, and I'll just say, hey – he made the best decision he could have made in his career, and you did. Yeah, you know that was that was a good deal. Yeah, I always wondered what uh, what might have happened, but we did get to. I have two really really good memories in my career with you, and that is driving. Mm-hmm. Uh, we won the Wrangler car was a was a partnership with you, yep. driving that number three That's Wrangler. Right. Yep. But even two thousand ten, even before that, uh, I drove. Liter- this was really seriously driving for RCR. This wasn't a partnership. Where the, yeah. where, the, where the car was over at DEI or anything like that. But I went to drive. It was an Oreo car. That's right. And it was your race car, your guys, and a number three. And I ain't never had to, had an easier time. The, you wore them out yeah. in that car. Yeah. Daytona? My god, 2002, gosh. wasn't it? Yes. Yeah. Is that the Monday yeah. race? 2002. That was it was 2004, he, wasn't it? No. Was it, it, well, I think there were several. But he won the Daytona 500 in 2004 and then went and – 
in, in that Xfinity race, yeah. Bush Series then had been rained out or yeah, something. That's right, and he yeah. had to stay and run that car on Monday. But, uh, but, I think he won several, didn't you? But yeah. I remember that I can't one. I remember sure. what year. I still have that car in our yeah. museum. Up. You've Did got you? the really? car. Oh yeah. So yeah. oh man, that's yeah. a pretty car too. So it, he's it and Bobby Hutchinson's. I think was working on the car. A couple other guys that were familiar. Um, I can't, I can't remember everybody that was working on the car. But I walk over there. I've got to run the Cup car on Sunday, and uh, you know it's it's speed weeks and it's busy and and doing a ton of media and got to worry about the cup car and get qualified in and go run the you know, go go run the qualifying race and I'd walk over to that Xfinity garage to drive Richard's car and they're just all hanging around. <laughs> I was like, what do y'all want to do in this practice? I just go out there and run four laps. Okay, I go out there and run four laps. Okay, we're good. We're not gonna run anymore. I'm like, none. Not gonna draft nothing. <laughs> nope, we're good. I was like, okay. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, they wanted to try one thing, and I, I was like, all right. So we went out. They got under the car, and they fooled around a little bit, and I go back out there, and I'm driving. I'm like, man, this thing turns really good. It's really hooked up because back then the track was wore out, and when you'd with those bush cars and the, and the way the spoiler and everything was, when you'd come off the corner, a bunch of air would get underneath the car, and it would get real tight off of four, and depending on which way the wind was blowing, but it t- typically off turn four would get real tight, and they fixed it just like perfect. And I said, man, what would y'all do? And uh, they were like, well, I got a hole in the pan underneath, and it's creating a vacuum. Uh, how the air would come into the grill and go under the car and, and through the hole in that pan of the of the radiator would create a vacuum and suck the nose, suck the car to the ground, and it was so awesome. <laughs> I never, ever had an easier time of driving a car and winning than I did in that uh, that car yours. It might have been 2004. I can't. It was back in those yeah. days, yeah. Yeah. But it, it, Who it, was the crew chief? I think Bobby Hutchinson. Bobby, was I think Bobby? he would have been oh, yeah. the crew chief on it. Yeah, but it was so fun because that for me, I had there was there's a couple other times when I got to drive the black three car at tests. We were at Vegas once testing, mm-hmm. uh, and Dad swapped cars with me, and then we were at at Indy, and you'll like this. We were uh, I I was fast and 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 we're at this test, and I'm happy with my car and. We've got this big giant sway bar in our car, and the car's pinned down on the left front, and big right front spring, little left front spring, and it's driving great. And Dad's car's okay. He's not, you know, he never tested wide open. He just kind of go out there and run, get it comfortable. I'm out there testing, qualifying hard as I can go, like, <laughs> like right on the edge, hammer down. He never would. And uh, I get in his car and I drive it, and I'm. All I want to do is match his lap time, and we got the little lap timer on the dash, and I'm out there running. I run just the same lap that he run. I'm like, oh, great, good. I mean, I did, did exactly what Daddy did. Because um, if you run slower, he's going to say something. <laughs> and he goes and drives my car, and we come back in. He goes, I said, what would you think about my car? It's so fast, ain't it? And he goes, it ain't going to work. And his car was had a little bar in it, a little front sway bar, and pretty even on the front springs. And he'd go in the corner, and it'd roll over, and the left front would come up. And it just had a completely weird, different feel. The whole thing just rolled over on the right rear side, right rear court, right rear spring, and I'm like, "Man, how's that gonna work?" And he's like, "I'll I'll see you in about 20 laps," because I qualified. <laughs> we ended up qualifying on in the top three, and he qualified around 15th or 12th. And he's like, "I'm gonna pass you with you know about 20, 30 laps in this race." I was like, "Whatever." And so, sure enough, here he comes. 10, 15 <laughs> laps in the race, my car quits turning. And it won't turn. Got too big a bar, too little left front spring, too big a right front spring, and just won't go through the corner. And here you come. 
And he goes by me, and that thing's rolled way over, <laughs> left front valences of freaking four inches off the ground. I'm like, damn. <laughs> he had that. He knew what he wanted, and he went by feel. In he the did. Car, you know? That was one thing I never could get. I I would look at the I would look at the time on the sheet, and I had to go faster. Whatever it takes to make it go faster. If it drives worse, whatever. I don't care. I want to run as fast as I possibly can. Where he would go by comfort and. And it, you know, it's got to turn for a hundred laps. It's not gonna, you know, if, if it don't drive this way or feel this way, it's not gonna work uh, for over the entire run. And I just wanted it to go fast for a lap. If it went fast for a lap, I figured it'd go fast. You know, it was gonna be good. But he he was really good at knowing about the field. A lot of times, he he hardly ever worried about the uh, uh, he hardly ever worried about the speed unless we were way off. Mm-hmm. And but he wanted that car to feel like he wanted it. And he had. Every, every crew chief he had, they had it worked out. Is is that why he never really cared much about qualifying laps and polls and that kind of thing? Or at least I've always heard that. Is that true? Did no, we we won some polls for sure, did, but, I, but but like it always seemed. I don't know. Uh, he he just wanted that car to feel a certain way, and we'd spend more time working on that than we'd eat. Sometimes we wouldn't even make a qualifying run, you know, a practice qualifying run. He, the answer may be no, but were you at the test when he called? and told Dale Jr. to get on the airplane in no. Talladega? I don't think they – so I don't think y'all were there. This, they were testing the V8 in the, in the Xfinity car. The Bush cars run the V6. Oh, yeah. And they were te- I don't think Cup car was there. I think it was just Dad's okay. Xfinity oh, car. Yeah, okay, yeah. I got you. I, I got you. I know that uh, Petrie was a crew chief back then, and he flew up on the plane with me, and he drove the car too. Oh, wait, Andy, drove, do you know yeah. this story? Oh, no, this is at Daytona, or Talladega. Oh, yeah. I'm working at the dealership changing oil. <laughs> My brother Kerry is ten feet away as a service rider. Phone rings. Kerry says, "Steady." Says he wants to talk to you. I was like, "All right." So he picks. He says, "Hey, tomorrow morning, be at the airport, getting on, getting on the King Air, come to Talladega, get your helmet and your driver's suit." Why? Don't ask any questions. Don't tell Kerry. <laughs> Hangs up. The phone. Don't tell Kerry. Kerry's yeah. standing right there. I was like, okay. So I just walked back over and went back to changing oil. <laughs> Next morning, I get on the plane, and Petrie's on there, I think. And uh, But I know he was at the test. And we get there. I got my old late model stock driving suit, and they're testing the V8 for the Xfinity series. They had the V6s in there, and they're trying to go to V8. And so I get in the – dad's like, all right, get, get your stuff on. Dave Marcus was there. He was driving the car a little bit. The funniest thing is that I'm, I have no idea – I have no – I don't know any better. So when dad says, hey, if you lift, you're going to burn a piston, ruin his motor. So don't lift. I'm like, at all? No. And he didn't tell me, did that mean in the garage, pit road? (laughs) So I literally am like trying to, yes, I literally am thinking in my mind, how do I get out of this garage and down pit road wide open? Yeah. Yeah. And uh, That's funny. All right, so. (laughs) <laughs> when I put it in gear and get it rolling, I go whop and just left, lift off the gas <laughs> and roll out on pit road. And as soon as I got on pit road, wide open. And I'm going down the back straightaway looking at that banking in the turn three. And I'm thinking, how's the car not going to fly out of the racetrack? Right? Yeah. I'm like, how does it, how's it going to stay in the track? And man, you go in the corner and you, you, you're talking about feeling grip like you ain't never felt before in your yeah. life. But that that's, was a, that's a funny story. I'd never heard that one. That's yeah. pretty cool. Go wide open. Yeah. He's like, go wide open. Well, he just, he was trying to scare me into holding it wide open. He was thinking that I was going to go out there and go in the corner and lift. Yeah. 
and it wouldn't have burnt the piston. He was just le- telling me a fib to keep me from lifting because yeah. he thought that I was going to go in there and get scared and dri- drive down into turn three. He didn't. He he wasn't talking about wide open out of the pits in the garage, but in my yeah. mind, I'm going, damn, I got to get out of here wide open. How am I going to do that? Was that your first time at Talladega? I've never been anywhere but Myrtle Beach. Oh, Lord. <laughs> now, that was a transition. Yeah. So yeah. The fun- another funny part of that story that I learned about Dad is uh, and, and driving and his smarts is so – I go out there and I ran. I didn't know how to. I didn't, you know, I didn't know that you that, that to stay lower off the corner and down the straightaway would would cut distance off the lap, literally cut feet off the lap. I was driving the car out to the wall and straightaway and then down in the bottom of the corner and adding thousands of feet to the lap <laughs> yeah. and the distance of my lap, adding time to my lap. So I'm out there running, and <clears throat> I mean, I got a hold of that steering wheel, right? I'm yeah. freaking. I got a hold of it hard, and, and I'm thinking, <clears throat> I got I ran just as fast as Dave Marcus had ran just a moment before, and I'm thinking, wow, okay, well, well now that I get out and I'm gonna think about it, and I'm gonna go out there and I'm gonna let the car feed out to the wall, and I'm gonna be easy with the wheel and let the wheel do what it wants in the corner, and man, I should go way faster. And I went out there and I was two seconds slower, <laughs> and I came in there and Dad was hot. <laughs> He's like, seconds. what? Yeah. He's like, what in the hell? <laughs> <laughs> did you do and i'm like well in the corner you know the car the, the bumps i'm letting the wheel kind of move move around in my hands a little bit and thought that maybe that would free it up and let it roll faster and coming off the corner <laughs> open the wheel up and come out to the wall he's like no he's like when he's like hold the wheel don't let it move when it hits the bump and it tries to jerk the steering wheel out of your hand don't let it move hold the wheel straight and he's like coming off the corners run right against the yellow line tight and so i go back out there and i ran back down yeah. to where I was running. And <laughs> That's then, funny. Yeah. And I'm like, man, I'm, at the end of the day, I'm like, I am a race car driver now, <laughs> right? I'm with Dave Marcus, my dad, and we're all driving, and we're all running the same laps. This is great. And then Petrie's just hanging out, right? And then at 4.30, we're going to quit at 5 and go home. Dad goes, hey, Petrie, you want to take some laps? Oh, <laughs> and I was like, awesome. oh, man, come on. <laughs> Everybody going to get a lap? <laughs> what the hell? Oh, my goodness. Took the wind out of my sails. But I didn't know Petrie Petrie was a racer. He did as good as we did. I mean, Petrie used to race late mile stocks at Hickory and was very successful. Yeah, he's a good racer. Right. By by the way, Richard, Kerry still doesn't know about this, so we can just kind of keep this to ourselves. It's (laughs) still a secret. Yeah, he didn't get invited. Yeah, yeah, still don't know. You (laughs) talked about that uh, Xfinity car uh, that we won with at Daytona in the museum. Your museum is incredible. Uh, You've been telling me to get up there for years, and I finally did. Um, One of the best... Things. If you're a race fan in this area in North Carolina, if you got a minute to go up to Welcome North Carolina to the RCR race shops and go through that museum, you guys do an amazing job up there. What was the vision for that? Y'all literally left the shop as is, the old rent, the old good rent shop, all that stuff. It's just tell us a little bit about the experience of going through that museum because to me, I think it's one of the best things you can do as a NASCAR fan. Yeah, you know, and we do. We get a, we still get a lot of people through there. We really got a lot of people through there when we first opened how, it. How but many cars y'all have? I got forty two or forty four original Earnhardt cars. Original that, cars original that cars are cars that your dad drove, and uh, we've got Austin's uh, championship cars. We got Kevin's Brickyard win and his Daytona win. We've got probably fifty some cars in there, I guess. I got some of Dale's on loan to some of the other museums, mm-hmm. but. Um, you know, after 2000, well, I didn't know what I was going to do with that shop. I knew that it was not to be just rented out for somebody to do a shop with. And we were building a brand-new shop. 
down. Already. And, yeah, we were going to move in and like in between Rockingham and Atlanta or something. And so it just sat there. We went ahead and moved in. It was an empty building. And the more I thought about it, the more I thought about it, I'd go up there and look around and said, we need to turn this into a museum. There's too much history that came out of this building for us not to turn it into a museum. So that's how we ended up taking – I had so many – even before I had several of his cars in our old mm. museum, which was the smaller part of that one, and I just kept adding on and mm. saved a lot of stuff. I got a room at my home that's upstairs, and I have no idea what to do it. I got so much stuff. <laughs> and I, I was just – and then I went behind the wall. It was completely full of just stuff, you know, memorabilia, memorabilia, hats, jackets, just so much of that stuff. And I honestly don't – I'm at the point in my life, I don't know what to do with all of it. It's just there. And then I've got – I moved all that stuff from behind because I was scared it was going to dry out. Newspaper clippings, you name it, we it's there. And I put it all down in another building I got, and – I just I got to figure out. It's just there. It's my own private collection yeah. that I've collected for many many years, and uh, I don't know if I want to take and put it out on display or build a room in a museum. But it is get on a backhoe. Yeah, <laughs> I mean don't I've bury. Got, <laughs> I've got. I mean Dale wrecked somewhere, and he had an old vest. Rode it. David Allen gave him a rodeo vest to help hold his chest together. I got it up there. I mean I got oh, so cool. much stuff that, when he broke his sternum. Yeah. Yeah, Richard, are you wearing a Fitbit? Is that what I'm seeing here? Is yep. is is that what you wanted to take off when you went to go whoop Kyle's ass? No. Oh, it was the other one. It was the what? <laughs> it wasn't the hold my Fitbit. It was hold. No, okay. What? That's a long story too. But we were in. The, this was in the '70s, I think it was, and we were used to go out to the bars and have a good time and everything. And we were up uh, an old bar down there in Daytona one night, and big fight broke out, and I happened to be in it, and. I had a Rolex, first Rolex I ever had in my life, and uh, I lost it in that fight. So ever since oh. that, you always take your watch so the off. The watch is the first thing you take off. Then, the first right? thing you take now off. Now it makes sense. It's a so, wisdom. And yeah. <laughs> I've never heard. I've never heard nor ever. I've never heard the story about what happened that day with Kyle. I've never heard anybody tell me a fabrication of what their their version of it is. You, Kyle, ran into one of your cars on the racetrack. And you were mad. It was a truck race. A truck race. Yeah. No, it goes. It went back to Homestead. Oh. And that's where it went back to. And uh, uh, I really hate to talk about it, but I mean, hell, that's well, history. You know, I, but what happened was, Kevin, we were running for the championship, and eleven, I think, was there, and eighteen was kind of holding Kevin up. Kevin wrecked him going in, uh, coming off of uh, four. And that night, I mean, hell, I was good friends with Kyle, and uh, so we were eating at that. A place and him and his, uh, I think his girlfriend at his time, that's before he got married, and a guy from Toyota there, they had won the championship. And I went over and congratulated him for winning the truck championship. And uh, he says, You know, I got to wreck your car. I said, What do you mean? He said, You know, uh, Kevin wrecked me today. I'm going to wreck your car. I said, What you need to do is wreck his Xfinity car. Don't wreck my car. And he says, No, nope, I got to do it in the cup. I said, If you wreck my car, I'm going to whip your ass. And that's the true story, how it went down. And Dylan was with me, and he backed up. <laughs> you know, he didn't know where it was going. And, yeah. you know, I, I really hate it ended up like it did. But uh, so at Darlington on Pitt Road, he had wrecked my car. He had run, him run into Kevin. So they carried us over in a trailer and got on to all four of us. And uh, I think Joe was in there and Kyle and me and uh, Kevin. 
And uh, I just told him what I was going to do, and I kept my word. You're a man of your word. I a man of your word, yeah. your word. Yeah. <laughs> wow. So that's how it happened. But, you know, I, I kind of wished it hadn't have done that like it did. But I was put in a situation that, you know. You had I, to keep your word. Yeah. Yeah, I right. really just was. I, I didn't expect you to be wearing a Fitbit. That's honestly. Oh, <laughs> great! <laughs> I don't know how many steps you're trying to get in each day, but, I, but that, now you know. I keep up with it. Do I try. You? I try to walk two and a half miles in the morning when I'm at home, and I can okay. walk at the racetrack every chance I get. Good for you. Try to keep my old body in shape. <laughs> well, Richard, uh, one of my favorite things that uh, you and Dad were like brothers. Uh, there's y'all were brothers, and through that relationship. I feel like we all became family after dad, uh, was lost. Uh, we, we stayed close. Uh, we did a lot of things together. One of the things that you still do do today that a lot of people don't know about is you send mamma, uh, flowers once a month. You still do to this day since dad passed away. Uh, I think that says a lot about what you think of our family and what that relationship, that bond is. My my wife, Amy, will never get to meet Dad, never get to know him. Uh, the best way that I thought to help her understand who he was uh, was to watch that Dale uh, documentary. And in that documentary, she sees you. And she goes, well, you know, to get to know Dale, I need to know these people, and I want to go meet Richard. Mm-hmm. And so I called Richard, and I said, hey, man, I want to come up and have lunch. I'm going to bring Amy. And we just want to yeah. just want you and Amy to meet. And so Richard meets us at the front door. We drive up to the vineyard, and he's standing on the front door and takes us upstairs and we had lunch and amy ended up falling in love with the place and we ended up getting married there she had we had ideas of whether we you know going somewhere and doing it somewhere far off and and crazy but it just seemed perfect and uh you know i just appreciate everything you ever done for our family the the friend that you've been and i hope that you'll come back on the show we got we we got so many more stories that we'd love to talk to you about and have you, you know, we'll try to pry them out of you. And uh, <laughs> Yeah, we, uh, I always tell people we're all family, and uh, I'll always believe that and always know it because mm-hmm. of uh, the relationship that, that Dale and I had. And then uh, the kids, you know, Austin and, and Ty, he, I remember him pushing him around on a creeper up at the race shop. And, uh, and when he won the Daytona 598, Austin was standing up on the trophy, and I said, get off of there. He says, Dad, one is our trophy, you know, so uh, <laughs> it, it is. It's, it's, uh, That's and great. It, it's, it's pretty cool to uh, still be, for me to be around 50 years later and, and from uh, being fortunate enough to start out with an old $20 race car and a, a kid with a dream. When I speak to crowds or speak places, and I'll go there, and I, a lot of times I'll start out by saying, only in America, mm. only in America, could a kid with a $20 race car and a dream be here speaking today. So same deal here. Kid with a $20 race car and a dream, only in America could I be sitting down here and speaking on this radio. Yes, sir. We're glad you're here and, and hope Amen. you enjoyed it. Oh, yeah, man. It's cool. And we'll get you. <laughs> we'd love to have you back. I've got, I've got a lot of other stories, too. We know you do. <laughs> we know you do. All right, man. All right. Thanks. I mean, you go to an auction. There are a lot of people there. A lot of stress. I don't know what's stressing you out, but you know, could be anything. A lot of noise. Now you can do it from the comfort of your couch, your office, podcast studio, anywhere you want. No stress, no people. Just get it done. No noise. 
That's nice. Get rid of those pesty people. <laughs> PristineAuction.com is an incredible online sports auction website where you can bid and win some items. They're incredible. Very incredible. Autograph sports memorabilia. Ah, damn it. <laughs> <laughs> I got you. Yeah, we all know Mike loves that word. <laughs> and now Dillner. Yeah. Darn it. It gets everybody. See, you know. Lee is the only one that hasn't been tripped up. It's all, yeah, it's all coming back on all y'all for laughing at me. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, all these auctions, they start at $1. That's pretty cheap. So everybody can get in on the fun. There's daily auctions. You don't have to wait around for multiple days to bid and win, which is pretty annoying. Who's got you see an item that? you like, and it's like, you know, got to wait for days before it's decided on who gets it. There's also even uh, a cooler auction called the 10-minute auction. It's fast-paced, rapid-fire. You know the key to pristine, Mike? Uh, tell me, Dale. It's authenticity. Oh. <laughs> All their items come fully authenticated. Did I do it? <laughs> that was it. I that was it? good. Right. I, 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 it worked. It worked. I've heard worse. By the most trusted <laughs> sources. I've signed for them. Am I a trusted source? Yes, you are. You are. This is the real deal, folks. The best part is it's affordable. Before the show, we had saw that uh, there was a bundle of two of our Chance 2 diecast cars that Martin Truex Jr. drove, both from 2003. Two different cars. One of them is the Robert G. Scheme. Mm. It started at a dollar. It's uh, seven bids so far. It's only 36 bucks. Uh, that's more proof that you can win big on Pristine. Go to pristineauction.com now. You'll get hooked. It's free to register, free to bid, and, of course, you only pay for the items you win. That's Pristine Auction, spelled P-R-I-S-T-I-N-E, auction.com. And when you register, be sure to select the Dale Jr. Download Podcast from the drop-down menu in the How Did You Hear About Us section. That lets them know that we sent you. All right, so uh, we got a little general discussion here before we get on to the live-ass junior portion of the show. Uh, DW announcing his retirement. All right. Worst-kept secret. Uh, Been kind of speculated for a while that he was going to retire, and he finally made that official. I think it's got to be great for him to hear all the folks talking about how much that he's meant to the sport. He's, you know, to go back and relive all these memories and have these people talk about all the things that they remember Daryl for and from, uh, seeing clips of him on social media. And because uh, he is, to me, uh, so many different chapters, so many different versions of himself. Like the race car driver, even there were many chapters. Yeah. You know, he, you know, he drove for himself in the uh, Western Auto car, the years with Rick Hendrick in the Tide car. Uh, the Mountain Dew car with Junior Johnson, all these little layers, the 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 Gatorade car, just so much so much there to remember and enjoy. His interviews and 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 the way that he went about, they called him Jaws uh, because of his interviews, and he was one of the first drivers to really play mind games in the media and 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 be bold enough to challenge the other drivers in the field with with his words. Um, you know, he he ushered in sort of a new style of of uh, building your brand and 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 sort of staking your claim to what you feel is rightfully yours in the sport. Gets out of the race car as a and, and goes into broadcasting. Been in the been in the broadcast booth for 19 years. Was a big part of the sports uh, you know growth in the early 2000s for sure. Uh, and oversaw that as a broadcaster and did a lot of great things. So we appreciate DW. The race, I watched that, and I thought it was a really entertaining race. It's Bristol, and I think Bristol does a pretty good job of putting on a pretty awesome show, if you know what to look for. But this one had a little bit of everything. I mean, starting the race off. Holy uh, mackerel. You know, they have that spin out, and, and, and it looks like, well, Kyle might be at a disadvantage the rest of the day, and he was. I don't think he had the best car. I think the, the Penske guys were very fast. But when it came down to the end, 
Kyle, Kyle found a way to put himself out front. That's when I knew he would win, when he spun out on lap three or four. <laughs> no, for real. Because there, there wasn't enough damage to, to really yeah. affect him. It just pissed him off. A pissed-off Kyle Busch yeah. usually wins. Yep. Ryan Blaney set a new track record but didn't win the pole. Are you guys okay with that? I mean, we're set, you know, we talk, I'm just, are you okay with that? You, you, you got a guy that wins the track record, yeah. and he is the track yeah. record holder. Yeah, he, I, I'm okay with it. I'm okay with it. Are you not okay no. with it? No. I'm okay with it. It doesn't affect my another life. Another reason I, uh, I'm not going to open this kind of words. No, another, no, he opened it. Another What's reason, it? another reason I'd like single car qualifying back. Oh, I got you. Sorry. Yeah. Just yeah. me. Yeah, are you, I mean, yeah, I guess, are you a little surprised? I mean, I'm not, I, why would we be surprised by this, the way they got qualifying now? Yeah, I just think it's uh, it's weird. It's weird to celebrate a guy that has a new track record, but there's he's there's another guy celebrating the pole. Um, <laughs> this is this is the life we live in now. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Watching, but, but you know, speaking of this, we started that conversation about qualifying a week or so ago, and yeah. I I'm a little surprised that the single car qualifying has gotten as much traction as it has as a possible as possibly coming back. Or am I hearing this wrong? I just thought that, like, I thought it was a a, a door that was shut and nailed. Yeah, wrong. we talked about it last week with but, Steve but, Phelps. As a, but people as are guest. talking about it more. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Steve. Well, O'Donnell went on went on Sirius XM and said this is uh, it's a possibility we may have to bring it back or we'll bring it back. I don't believe that NASCAR wants to bring it back. They want to try to make qualifying more entertaining. However, they have to do that, and. Uh, in my mind, they're being a bit hard-headed about it. I, uh, I'm sure that even my bosses have a good reason why we need a entertaining qualifying show. Sure. Um, and I, I hear that. I understand what you're saying, but for the integrity, I guess, of qualifying and setting the field, I, I mean, until we can figure out what that is, we should go back to single car qualifying. I would do it really everywhere. Uh, you know, I, I, even at Indy and, and some of these other places, just the the bumping and and having the fastest rookie and all those things. You there were just so many things that were cool and and yeah. interesting about how single car qualifying set the field. I hope that it comes back. Speaking of qualifying or miles per hour and times, oh, uh, I saw you bit of a bit of a debate on Twitter that comes up. It comes up every year or two uh, between sharing with the public how right. fast a guy ran. Do you like the time? Like, hey, he just ran a 14.50 around Bristol. Or do you like the miles per hour, whatever that would be? And, uh, you know, Bob Pockris will say that he likes the miles per hour. He, he wants to see how fast the car went in miles per hour, whereas a guy like Mark Martin or myself wants to see the time because we know time. Yes, you know. When I, yep. Yeah. When I see miles per hour, I, I don't know what that means. I don't know. It's, it's just a random number. Especially at like Martinsville or something. Yeah, anywhere. It's a random number unless it's the fastest that a car's ever went. Like when Bill Elliott runs 214 at Talladega. And I want to hear that. I want to hear, oh, wow, yeah, 214? Nobody's – oh, a guy went 215? Okay. Heck, yeah. That's a a good time for me me to hear miles per hour. But when any other time I want to see the time, I want to see 1550 – and I want to know what I need to run to beat that beat that guy. I want to know that I need to run a forty. I know I want to know that well, my seventy is two tenths off. Right. So I can understand in my mind how far off I am. I can't tell with miles per hour how slow I am or how much better I am than another guy. I can I measure the lap in time. 
Yeah. And we've always measured the lap in time. And so I think that we as in racers, you yeah, mean, you in the racing our, community. Our argument is is that should be the standard. No, I don't think you're wrong on that. It should be the standard in the race, in the garage, and, and how you guys do it. You can't have it both ways. Of course you can have it no. both ways. I think you even should for the pilots. What about the pilots? They, you need to also add their knots, uh, you know, how, how fast. Oh, they, I mean, come on. You are what you are, right? I mean, like, no. uh, yeah. Nobody wants to know Nobody how, knows how, how to fast apply. the plane is going, just how long it's going to take to get there. <laughs> that, and, unless, you, unless you're, uh, you know, unless you work on an airplane. I mean, I'm just saying, you, you in the racing community don't know any other language. But, but I, what is so a, what is I'd a 15 rather, sec- when I was a kid, I'd what, rather What does a 15-second lap mean to me? I don't. I can't. I don't have anything to apply that to. Because when I hear, like, I'm sorry, when I hear uh, I, ninety matters. miles per hour at a short track, that doesn't impress me much. Mike, okay, but if I, if someone's a second off, that matters, or two tenths know, off, or that kind of stuff. But let me ask you a question. So your favorite driver is getting ready to go out on the track. Mm-hmm. All right, you know the poles of fourteen thirty six. Don't you want to know that the poles of fourteen thirty six, or you want to know the pole is one hundred eighty five miles an hour? I, I could know both. Yeah, but. How do you know what your guy needs to run? Like your favorite driver's pulling on the track. You just answered the question. Are you for saying, you just God, I hope he runs 187 here. That's really important yeah. that he runs 187. And while you're watching him run the lap, you can't. If that's the pole speed, then that's what I'm. I know, but for. you can't. You can't watch that on the broadcast, and you can watch the time. He's a little quicker. He's he's getting faster. The time's dropping. You know no, what I'm saying? I, yeah. I, I get your. I guess I get your point. I mean, I, I definitely get your we point. I'm only it. saying I don't know why it's got to be mutually exclusive. Because we that's how consistent. we measure the lap. Be consistent, like like we as in the racing community. No, everyone we measure it on TV. Of course, on time. But you know, you also don't have a speedometer in the race car. So like, why would miles per hour matter? It they wouldn't. Don't. It they that's, shouldn't. That's it. Should. Hence my point. But to Bob Pockrass's point. He's not in a race car. He's not a racer. He has to be able to translate, and he translated into the world that you live in. And we don't, I don't measure. I'm not in a car. I translate. I don't measure my time when I'm going to Christmas to visit my family. Actually, I do measure time. But I'm saying is that, like, you know, speedometer, your your speedometer and the speed matters the whole way there. So you sit there and say, hey, I I went 65 miles per hour. I'm just saying I can see both. It took you you five and a half hours. I'm going to I'm going to drive down to do NASCAR America later today, and I need to leave at 3.30. I don't tell myself I need to run 67 miles an hour to <laughs> get you, there on time. But, 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 but do you need to know how fast you need to go down there? To, no. Yeah, no. Of course you do. No. No. Yeah, hell, I you don't. You, I need to get there, there in 45 spe- minutes. Hey, why is, there a spe- why is there a speed limit sign? Why didn't it say, you know, you need to be running 45 seconds from this pole to that pole or whatever? Why, why, is, there, why is a speed limit sign? Why does that matter? So you don't uh, get a damn ticket. But Oh, Really? So that so why so why that, would that's why Mike's for more uh, pit road? Penalties. Why would y'all sit here and hate on people that just want to know, be able to see how fast somebody goes by by the miles per hour? Oh God! All right, really? Why is it if you have, have nobody's taking your time away from you? Nobody's trying to take your time away from you. You're going to have a problem with me or Bob Pockrass because we want to know miles per hour? No, but I disagree. You're an <laughs> for that. <laughs> I'll say I'm, this. I'm, I'm proud to be an <laughs> I'll say this. I I would I I don't mind Bob. <laughs> saying miles per hour but i want him to include the time because for fair enough the time to me is the more common language even though there are people that prefer miles per hour when this debate fires up on social media it's usually 
people wanting the time. Let's not. There's not a lot of people that hear a time and go, "Wow, ah, where's the miles per hour? Why isn't anybody saying miles per hour?" Nobody it's really. The not in the race. Always community. right. Well, I'm just saying in general, fans, the majority want the time, and so if Bob and his small group, you included. You don't know that it's small. The Bob and you and the don't, Look, all, my, my only point on this is if you guys are speaking for the small group and you don't know that it's small and you also don't know. And you can't – And you can't. it's impossible for you to know because – How can we you're, figure this you're, out? You're, you're a race team owner and this is social. all you know. Not Social would be the last place I'd go, to be honest <laughs> with you. How? How? I wouldn't go to social for – the, They're all going to tell Dale what he wants to know. I mean, like, he's going to be like, poll question. Would you rather have miles per hour time? What are they going to say to Dale? But if Bob ran the same poll. Let Bob run it. Yeah. Did he? No. Come okay. on, Bob. Yeah, let Bob run it. Let Bob run the poll. But again, you're <laughs> look, hey, you know what? This is where I, most of my opinions form on this. I think you just realized where he thinks that poll's going. Most of my, listen, <laughs> most of my opinions form from this simple foundation, from this base. New fans. I'm sorry if it gets old to you, but you you old school racers are going to go, and you you should not change. Nobody's asking you to change, but do not expect new fans to sit there and adapt to your way. That's why we're in the situation that we're. No, no, no. I'm not being. I'm pointing to you. I don't mean you, Dylan. I would say I disagree with you. I'm saying. I would say we just had a conversation last week with Phelps how we're not going to. Yeah. We're not catering. I understand, to that anymore. But, but but I'm just saying you we can't, got away from it. You can't expect new fans. Okay, you can't expect new fans to just sit there and go. Okay, now I'm going to figure out the time what 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 a poll time is at indy or pocono or whatever track and field and anything else you run you you sure it is you got a time to beat this is the time to beat that's so easy to understand the majority of the public out there understands that it's not like we're trying to teach people some sort of newfangled freaking way of understanding well i mean i think that we agree that they should have both but, but I don't know what's, both, what's wrong with but both. Don't exclude the time. Let's say this. What, what am I excluding if I just said both? Time, the time should always be constant, miles per hour when, when preferred. <laughs> well, that got confusing. They, I, always, <laughs> if Bob's going to tweet, I want a time every time. If anybody's going to tell me how fast somebody ran around a racetrack, I want to see the time. If it is important for them, I've always to, seen them both. I mean, I right, I, I, if, I if it's important for them to put the miles per hour, whatever. I want to see the time every time. <laughs> okay. All right. Good. I, I, I just want both. I want to be able to know what the time. I, I got to know what the I translation love, I is. I like this debate. You can really, I do too. You can I, really I can confuse, get fired up on this. Go you can it. really confuse people because what if somebody what? has a quicker mile per hour but it doesn't have the fastest lap time? Like that can get really confusing. I get Wait. it. That's why you should have both. How do you? Like what, if, like, what if they have the quickest mile per hour, but it's not, like, for, like, one... She's well, thinking drag racing. She's thinking drag racing with well, ET. of course I am. <laughs> of course you are. What, what, do you have a preference, Leah? Um, I feel like I need to know lap times if, it, if we're... Yeah! Okay. yeah. Mile per hour matters That's in drag like racing. Leah. Okay. But not... I don't think mile per hour matters... In oval. In Five roundy miles. round. It matters how you... It matters how quickly you get from start yeah. to finish line back around again. I, again. I, listen, of course it matters in the racing community. But you dinosaurs like, don't ever think about other people. You, you think Wait, about you yourself. You know what? I'm, I'm, uh, Phelps said it best. Okay? We sit here and we try to cater to, to people that don't want stuff that we want as damn racers. And we've done that long enough. And I'm sick and tired of it. Because our sport is freaking cool. Okay. So we try to make it like other sports so people will like it. No. How about just make it, letting our sport be freaking cool like it is. And then other people will want to come in because it's like, yeah, man, that, that's cool. What do you think, Mike? I, I'd ask, how's that working out? Yeah, it's working out because we left it. How's it working Phelps, out? Phelps Phelps admitted that. So, so in other words, you're, you're not going to even worry about anybody. they got to adapt to our way or, or not? Hell yeah. 
Well, good God. Racing used, racing used to be badass and it used to be what it is. It was a green flag and a damn checker flag. We didn't have 20,000 pit roads, penalties, and all this rules that you can't understand because you can't unless you follow unless you're on TV, watching TV. All fair points. I, mean, I don't think we're debating that. But that's part of it. We're not debating that. We're not debating we're that. We're not debating that, but it's part it's of time it. Time versus mile an hour. It's part time of versus it. mile an hour. Let's, let's see a show of hands in here. Time versus mile right. an hour. Uh, Star- cameraman two. Ca- Kevin, Kevin, Kevin two. let's see. Ca- time. Time. Everybody raise your hand if you like time. time. Oh, you suck-ups. <laughs> time. Bunch of Everybody. Suck ups. We all love time. <laughs> okay, and so, it, all right. Raise your hand but, if but you like uh, but, but in miles per hour. Hold up. Hold up. All Dustin, of y'all, you like miles per hour? So there's two miles per stop, hour. Stop. Damn, Dustin. Again, I will, I'm raising my hand on both. Does anybody have a problem to have more information no, and I'm have with both. both? I'm good with both. Raise a show of hands. But it don't exclude time. Everybody in here likes both. Yeah. Okay. But the debate is what one is, or the other. Which one do you prefer? I don't. Uh, those are not mutually exclusive for me. They're not. <laughs> They're not. <Okay>. But, <laughs> but uh, by all means, y'all, y'all hash out those big problems of the world, and then uh, oh I'm, I'm sure we're going to be good. We're going to be better off people as a society. <laughs> it's, 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 <laughs> by all means. It, I think it matters. It matters <laughs> to, to you. It matters. No, it matters to other people. Time matters. It matters. But you didn't think you thought that general discussion was going to go, uh, just going to fly by. Keep the four minutes, guys. Uh, <laughs> we had some grassroots short track racing, thirty thousand dollars to win race at Orange County Motor Speedway, the biggest late model stock car race payout ever. Lee Pulliam wins the race. No Got passengers. Nope, no, no passengers. <laughs> um, Lee, uh, Lee, it was great, hard, good, tough racing, and uh, our guys, Josh Berry and Adam Lemke. Adam run third, Josh fourth. Josh led a lot of the race. Um, but uh, just didn't have the balance at the end that they needed. Good finish, though. Um, congrats to Lee and his team. That's a huge, huge accomplishment for Lee. Lee's won just about everything in, in late model stock racing. And uh, they, they're the – he's you know, Mike, if you remember, he's one of the guys in the controversy last week. Oh, of course Boston I remember. Speedway. Right. I just can't remember if he got fined or not. I remember he I is, mean, NASCAR – He is, he is uh, I think he's banned from racing at South Boston until April 17th. Which and is fine. season starts back in April 20th, so he's not going to miss any races. <laughs> that's beautiful. Perfect. It is. Well, that's perfect. nice. That's oh, how about be. this? This was, a, this was what I thought was hilarious. So they penalize NASCAR. That's right. Down in NASCAR land, levels these penalties, right? Against him and Against the other guy. Lee. Forrest Reynolds, the crew uh, chief. Forrest Reynolds, the crew chief, ran out on the track, and uh, Philip Morris, the other driver. And then the track, South Boston, <laughs> openly comes out and disagrees with NASCAR's penalties. What yep. a damn mess. I love it. Why in the hell would <laughs> – I've never heard a track come out. I don't agree with NASCAR on this one. Well, <laughs> hence why I didn't know who was actually fined and who was penalized or not. What in they, the world? They didn't, cha- they didn't try to change anything. They just said, nope. we, that wasn't us. That was them. Yeah. We thought they were fine. Right? That's basically yeah. what happened. I have never – I don't, I don't think I've ever seen a racetrack come out and publicly disagree with NASCAR. What does that yeah, do that's to different. you? Well, yeah, what, what does that mean? Where like? are we at? What? Where are we? At? What world are we in when the tracks? Are, oh, nope, don't agree with NASCAR, the I, sanctioning body. I don't recall it ever happening. Oh man, South Boston, they're one of a kind. Balls. They are ballsy. They balls. grew. They grew a pair. We told them they, to. <laughs> we told them. We told them. You did. Man. All right. You guys want to do some uh, Ask Junior? Sure. All right. Let's do Let's some fire Ask Junior. It up. Hey everybody, it's Dale Jr. with the Dale Jr. Download. This is the live Ask Jr. part of the show on YouTube. Appreciate you guys following our Dirty Mo Media handles on YouTube. 
uh, Twitter and Instagram. We've got co-host Mike Davis here, Matthew Dillner, Leah, everybody's here. Uh, going to take some questions. So, Leah, let's go. All right, first question. Uh, you tweeted about this this past weekend. Since WrestleMania is in this weekend, who's your favorite wrestler, past or present? Uh, I always loved Stone Cold Steve Austin, and I was watching WrestleMania last night, and I was imagining who could be the next Stone Cold Steve Austin. So in my head, I would picture every wrestler that I saw on TV smashing beers, <laughs> and think, and one, you know, and, and thinking, okay, yeah, they, yeah, that guy could definitely smash beers and be the next Stone Cold Steve Austin. There were a few. Um, but Stone Cold Steve Austin, I, I liked him, and and obviously The Rock, his his pro uh, his his promos that he would cut, uh, interviews and such uh, were just gold, uh, must watch TV. I mean, we even when you go back and watch videos on YouTube, it's the promos. You're watching Hell Ric yeah. Flair, Dusty Rhodes, Magnum TA, Arn Anderson, Ole and Arn Anderson. Arn Anderson, yeah, yeah. I liked Ole because he was the less popular of the two Andersons. True. Um, but Magnum TA was one of my favorite uh, wrestlers and uh, unfortunately got in that car accident and his career was cut short. But uh, Tully Blanchard, the four horsemen, I was around. Back in the back in those days, I had this pillow that was kind of about as tall as I was and me, I'd wrestle with it when I'd watch wrestling on, on TV and, and then <laughs> Teresa would not allow me to watch wrestling anymore because I was too hyper. And so I didn't get to watch much wrestling on Saturdays. That sucked. Because I was a huge wrestling fan uh, back when I was a kid, um, but yeah, still am, man. I haven't watched WrestleMania in a long, long time. When when Stone Cold and those guys kind of phased out, I phased out with them. Uh, but at the uh, encouragement of my buddy Tim Duggar, I got back in there last night and <laughs> Tim Duggar. Yeah, Tim Duggar. Yeah. I was like, Tim, what are you doing? Because I was going to play some PUBG Mobile with with Tim, and uh, which is a video game we've been playing on our iPads, and he's like. I'm watching WrestleMania. I said, all right, I'll watch it too. So I bought it and watched it with, we was texting the whole time. It's fun. Jamie wants to know, uh, it's coming up soon on NBC. Who's your pick for the Stanley Cup? Who, uh, who's the, I don't name, know. Name me five teams. Yeah, name me who's, <laughs> tell me who's in it. Go ahead, Mil Matthew, go ahead. New York Islanders, man. The all underdogs. Right. Got to root for the underdogs. They're the underdogs. Pick to be the uh, right. lottery team, man. Surprising everybody. Okay. Is the Vegas back in it? Or? Yeah, Vegas is back in it. They got a big first-round matchup against San Jose. That'll okay. be tough. What about Washington? Washington is in it. They were first in the – I'll pull uh, for them. Oh, thanks a lot. What well, about, he, are the Blues he went, in it? He went to Washington I went to the game last year. I know, but I got to take you to an Islander game then. The that was barn. a great – that was a pretty incredible experience, actually, yeah. to see the fans. Uh, during the game, the fans that weren't in the arena were out in the street watching on this big screen, and when something good would happen – that when uh, when the when the screen in the, in the stadium would show the people in the street, the stadium would cheer. Yes. Oh, wow. Yeah. Oh, man, it was uh, – a. There was a brotherhood. Yeah, you know what I mean? yeah. There was like a yeah. There's our people, and you know they're back and forth. Hey, I did. Uh, I did like that video of that Islanders fan last week that oh, was yelling at the player in the penalty box. <laughs> yeah, I saw that. God Almighty, it was ruthless. Yeah. Is yeah. that what y'all do, dude? Uh, New York fans are a little rough, but they, that, that guy snaked us, John Tavares, and so they actually voted him. I think Sports Illustrated one of the most hated sports athletes in in the past decade what uh just because he uh you know the captain of the team left the team the way he did yeah mm. next question <laughs> he's like enough yeah. about hockey damn it yeah. <laughs> yeah. uh amber wants to know what's with that big shoe on the table 
That's uh, it's our trash can. That's Mike's shoe. <laughs> Mike, my shoe. Mike's trash can. <laughs> Mike has a really big I bring, feet. I bring my shoes. Well, to no, put he on had a, he had a medical issue, and <laughs> that was he didn't want to hold that thing up. He didn't want to quit playing basketball, so right. he had to wear that particular shoe for a little while. This is a sign. It's size twenty two or twenty three. Um, Shaquille O'Neal shoe that yep. he signed, and they asked when he we did this deal in two thousand ten when uh, what was the show called Shaq versus. And they, they asked, do I want to sign jersey or sign shoe? And I said, is this even a question? Yeah. I want the shoe. So there you go. I like when people ask about anything in the room. Yeah. We're real proud of the room. Yeah. And, and this wasn't down here until Dell implored me. He's like, why have you not put the shoe down here? I, it never occurred it's to just me to bring me, it. It's just so interesting. And now, interesting. Yeah, now I like it. I like the fact that you held it up, too, because it's like a yeah. fish. When it's on the right. table, you're not sure how yeah. big it is. Right. And you just held it up. You yeah. can tell. Uh, sticking with the uh, room topic, is the chicken pit sign actually from the Stroke Race movie? No. So I I had a dirt track, go kart track at the on my property, and we made some signs uh, that would have stuff on it from different eras of NASCAR and different sponsorships and so forth. And that was one of the signs. Basically, to make this room, we went in a bunch of and dug up a bunch of all my crap. <laughs> <laughs> and and just thought this will this will look cool in there. So yeah, Mike went on the property and said, "Can I have one of the signs down from the dirt track? Because the dirt track is grassed over now. Sold all the go karts. Yeah, they just it just got so dangerous. We were getting so wild that I'm like, I'm this is becoming a liability. But the the signs are still there, and the track impression is still in the ground. It's lost speedway. You, you put it's the a track, lost speedway. You put the track right next to a creek. That it was is. one thing. Right? Well, that <laughs> the great thing about that is, is we <laughs> illegally dammed up the creek to be able to pump water into uh, the sprinkler oh. system to be able to ho- soak the track and pack the track in. So, Oh, really? Yeah. We didn't have a water truck or anything, so we put a sprinkler system in <laughs> and pumped it out of the creek. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> you're, not supposed to put, uh, you know, not, you're not supposed to put a dam in there. No, okay, got it. Yeah. <laughs> in case I ever get the opportunity. <laughs> so, anyway, uh, Glenn wants to know, have you ever wanted to design your own racetrack, similar to how golfers and uh, design golf a, courses? We had a real good chance of doing that down in Alabama. We were, oh, uh, we were right. in uh, conversations with a, an organization about building a racetrack in Alabama, and then the uh, recession got yep. us, and, and uh. every you know the whole thing just fell apart. But what was it going to be? I think I want. I mean, I was definitely going to be a short track. Yeah. Something uh, obviously uh, short track meaning half mile or shorter. <laughs> and uh, yeah, so I you know just we never got very far down the road. We had I went down there. We had a lot of meetings, some dinners, and got all you know got all the politicians in the same room that needed to be there, and and then the the money went away. Yeah. Alabama Motorsports Park. That's right. Uh, Side Draft wants to know, what driver currently in the Xfinity or Truck Series do you think will be a cup champion in the future? Oh, man. Um, That's a good look question. Look into your glass ball. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Moffitt comes to mind. If he gets the right brakes uh, with a, you know, as, as in gets a cup ride that's in a, in a quality car, I think he can win a championship. I mean, there's so many guys that I think are are – Hidden talents, or I mean, look at uh, Algar. I mean, I know he drives for us, and 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 we're big fans of his. But what he just—I uh, think that he was a missed opportunity for Penske. Uh, you know, he never got out of their Xfinity stuff, and he ran great in it when he was in there. Um, and so I think that you know, if given the right opportunity, he could win races in the Cup Series and even championships. Um, just drives so hard every single lap. So, but there's a lot of guys. It just depends on them getting the right opportunity. I think, uh, obviously, Christopher Bell's on that list and everybody else's list. 
All right, that'll be it for today. All right, guys. Appreciate everybody uh, tuning in, asking great questions. Those are some really good ones today. And we want to thank Nationwide for sponsoring this segment. Nationwide. I always forget that. That's, but I'm helping you. Yep. It's all right. <laughs> Nationwide sponsors this particular part of the show, so thanks to those guys. So we're joined in the studio today, right now, by Blake Cook. Because, Dale, by the time people listen to this podcast, you guys will have already announced a new partnership between you two. You want to tell us about it? Yeah, actually, um, today is the announcement of a partnership with Blake. Blake, uh, you started a company uh, what a year ago? Yeah, almost. Yeah. Filter time. Tell us what filter time is. Filter time is an air filter subscription service for your home. So everybody needs air filters for the house. You go on to filtertime.com, select the filters you need, how often you want them, and then they just show up at your door automatically when it's time to be changed. Same price as the store, free shipping, cancel anytime. There's really no reason not to sign up. <laughs> <laughs> so Blake, um, I've known you for a long time and always, you know, who, everyone's always kind of looking for opportunities. When I got out of the race car, I thought, man, I got to, what am I going to do? What, what, what am I going to find to, to motivate me and get me excited? Uh, you were also sort of getting out of the race car right around the same time. And you created this business and you have a passion for it. Sat down, you called me, you said, Hey man, I want to talk to you about this, this idea I have. Came to me, said, man, we, I don't know, we talked for about 30 minutes to an hour about filter time and, mm-hmm. and this business. And uh, you said you came in wanting to talk about doing just a Facebook post or some sort of a, some sort of a quick hit to yeah. get you know some exposure to your show. But I don't know how we ended up uh, changing, going from there in 30 minutes to being, becoming partners. But well, I know how. Yeah? <laughs> how? I remember it, man. I almost fell out of my seat. <laughs> you know, I, I, first I texted you. I was like, hey, man. You know, I'm out of the car, and I'm just as excited about this new business idea as I, I was in racing, and I'd love to pick your brain at it because you're the best at marketing and branding. And at that time, I was reaching out to a lot of marketing companies. I just didn't feel good every, about what people were telling me. I didn't have that trust, and I knew that you guys were the best at it. And if I could just get your, your guidance and assistance with the marketing with Filter Time, that it would be everything I wanted to be and go where I wanted to go. You you offered to meet with me, and at that point, it, I didn't have a website or anything. I was like, oh, this is a little early to meet with Dale. But <laughs> by the time we met up, I had launched a site, and um, I really just was hoping that you could do a little post and just tell people about my business and maybe be a mentor for the business and um, and Kelly's assistants. And and you're like, man, you know, I like this. You know, it's a great idea. You're here. What can I do for you? And I was like, well, uh, and this is where I kind of just shot from the hip. I was like, man, I would... I would love for you to be the face of the company. Like, so like how I would love for you to be involved. I would love for you to help me with this and build it into a company that is awesome and people trust and love and helps people's needs by making it more convenient to buy air filters. And you're like, well, I'm not really just looking for a, you know, a sponsorship. Uh, I'd like to be partners with you. Would you consider that? And, And that's what I was like. Yeah, for you, yeah. I mean, I wasn't really, I didn't start the business to look for a partner, but when you offered that to me, it was a no-brainer for me. Yeah. Um, not only because of just your fan base, but because of what you have and the people around you. For With Dirty Mo Media, with Junior Motorsports, and, and Kelly, and, and Mike, and everything you have is is what I needed to make this business a success and and take it to where I saw that it could go. Well, when I met you as a race car driver, I thought, who is this guy? He's always smiling. Race car drivers are mean, <laughs> grumpy people. And even <laughs> and you are at the track going about your business as a driver with a smile on your face. And you had this really positive uh, disposition and, and, and way about you. Uh, when you came in here to talk about the business, 
I thought, man, this is going to work. This guy's going to make this work. And, and, you know, I know you were going to, I just could see you in the future networking with people and building this brand and making these connections that you need to make to get more and more production out of your business. I just knew it was going to be a success and I wanted to be a part of it. So I'm glad that you were excited about the idea of partnering together. We've been talking about this, and this was a, what, eight months ago when we met for the yeah, first time. in, in June, the first week right. of June. So we've yeah. been working on this partnership for a long time. Uh, we are announcing that today. We announced it earlier today when this podcast comes out. Uh, you'll, you'll be able to go on Filter Time and read about our partnership and how it came together. You'll be able to sign up for air, air filters and get them sent to your home. So, man, I'm just glad to... to I'm glad to get this started. I'm glad to finally be able to tell the public I can't wait to continue to grow this business with you and put a lot into this. And I know it's going to win. And um, I'm looking forward to getting to know you better, becoming better friends, and seeing where this goes. Awesome, man. Thank you so much. And thank you, guys. Thank you, Mike. Thank you. Uh, I appreciate you guys very, very much. Thank you for caring about my air filters, because I can promise you I don't spend <laughs> an ounce of time doing it. it. So if you'll, if you'll make it your priority to, to fix my house up, yeah, I, I'm, I'm signing up, buddy. <laughs> Done yeah. deal. I love air filters. Well, I, I got know, you. I, to speak on that just for a second, the reason why I thought, man, this is such a great idea and what it needs is the, a guy like Blake behind it um, with his personality and, and attitude and, and determination. This will work. I was at my house. Uh, I was at, down in the Keys on vacation. Uh, we had a little trouble with air conditioning down there with the heat. And I got in there, and I'm, I'm like, God, this filter is nasty. <laughs> so I'm going to go to the store. I go to the store, and I can't find the right size. So I got to buy a filter and fudge it and smash it into this hole. And then months later, I'm like, looking at this i'm working on my air conditioner again and the filter's nasty and i'm like god i gotta go to the store and get another filter <laughs> do it again in the middle of my vacation <laughs> i gotta go back to the store i go to the store and i'm getting something else i was i was repairing a couple of the uh, landscaping lights and i come back home without the filter because i forgot because i got <laughs> that's I everybody's got, story i got tricked yeah i got yeah. tripped up on the lights and so then i gotta go back to the store and so I went and bought like a bunch of air filters. None of them are the right size. Once I got to looking at the house, it takes all these little 12 by 12 inch foot filters in the ceilings. So it's got four or five different shapes that I have to have. And I can't remember. I'm not, I don't want to get them every time I go down there for vacation. I right. want them to be there. Right. I want, I want, and I want the reminder to change them. If yeah. I don't, if I'm not reminded, the ones that I bought in bulk from the store are going to stay in the closet. That's right. And so when he came to me, he's like, man, you know the filters will come. They'll they'll show up at the door. That's the reminder to change them, and the and the cost. I mean, it's it's the same price as the store. There's there's no uh, contracts. You can you can get in and get out whenever you want. Um, we're just asking you to buy from us. And so I thought, man, this is perfect. This is exactly what I need because clean air filters or dirty air filters is the number one reason why people have problems with their HVAC. Yep. Yeah, and, it makes it work too hard. And plus, quali- plus the quality of air in your house, especially these these days with, with the flu and uh, different things going around. I mean, to having, having clean air filters can great, greatly increase your chances of staying healthy uh, for long term. And so I'm thinking, man, this is perfect. And, and You'd be a good spokesman. Well, right. <laughs> Y'all should do business together. Yeah. I think I would have partnered you, partnered with Blake, no matter what his business idea was, because <laughs> I know that he's going to make it win. Uh, but this, this, this was something that I personally was like, yeah, this makes perfect sense. And I, I too have had the same sort of experience that everybody, everybody has. You've had it yourself. Yeah, you, absolutely. This is how you came up with the idea for the company. You went to the store to get filters, came home without them. Yeah, and spent a bunch of money on things I didn't need. Right. Except for the air filters. <laughs> so I'm excited about this. Everybody, go to filtertime.com, sign up. We're going to make you happy. You ready, Dillner? 
I'm ready and willing for that white flag. All right. Keep coming, bud. White flag, bud. White flag right there. White flag. White flag. Listen, I'm doing something a little different. I'm just going to read ratings and reviews uh, because we had a few. uh, We had quite a bit this past week. So here, let me just get started. Fireman1431 says, I travel across the state with my job, which gives me the opportunity to catch the podcast when it hits. My brother and I text back and forth about the topics you guys cover. So uh, there you go. That's Fireman. ZL Show 7 says, I love listening to the podcast at work, which confuses a lot of my customers since I work at Music and Art Store. So uh, we are big in the music and arts industry. I've oh, always yeah. felt that. Cultural. It's kind of why we started it. Um, <laughs> that was our that was our demo. Uh, Ladies man one nine nine says. Oh yeah, that's right. Blake, was this you? I, I mean, no. are you la- okay. <laughs> uh, Ladies man one nine nine says, I'm a police officer in Kansas. A police officer named Ladies man. There you go. Uh, I'm a police officer in Kansas and work the night shift. I like listening to the podcast at night. It keeps me awake. There you go. I'm glad I, it, I, glad I, it I, keeps I, awake. I guess Kansas is doing pretty good. If if we're keeping the cops awake, <laughs> you know, on the night shift. So, um, Straw045 says, being a fireman outside the nation's capital, I look forward to li- your favorite hockey team, uh, yeah. you know, Washington Capitals. Oh, uh, <laughs> I'm a police officer. Oh, I'm sorry. Being a fireman outside the nation's capital, I look forward to listening to the podcast each week on my 80-mile drive. Me and my wife are both fans. We actually got engaged in Miami Dale's final race weekend. So, uh, we got firemen and policemen uh, weighing in this week. Iowa, this is the last one. Iowa Hawkeye fans says, I'm a new NASCAR fan who prefers miles per hour. I added that. I'm a new NASCAR <laughs> fan, and for the reason I've been tuning in and watching is no small part due to Dale Jr. and crew on this podcast. You're fun to listen to, and you've helped me learn the sport. P.S. I don't feel like Dillner is a punching bag. I agree. Good. With nice. Good. Iowa Hawks so fight. he's giving us a compliment there, I think. Yeah, absolutely. We're not punching on No, no, I, I took it that way. I took it that way. <laughs> so uh, there you go, guys. Hey, keep those coming. Ratings and reviews. It's really uh, been enjoyable to see what everybody thinks of the podcast. We're going to keep reading some every week here on Dale Jr. Download. Dale, close us out, buddy. Alright, we got some odd history. April 12th marks the anniversary of one of NASCAR's strangest moments on that day in 1952. A drunk fan tried to drive his passenger car across the track during a cup race at Columbia, South Carolina. (laughs) E.C. Ramsey crashed into the fan's car and suffered a broken radiator. Ramsey got out and beat the hell out of the guy until the police came (laughs) and brought the drunk to jail. Buck Baker wins the race. Good job, Buck Baker. That's (laughs) That's Buddy Baker's dad. E.C. Ramsey finished 20th. No. Finish after his day be- in 20th after beating on that guy. And, hey, all right. So you know. we got it. South got, Boston still thinks a, that they, they have, don't agree with the penalties. We have another odd history I wanted to read because uh, right. this this was sparked my interest because uh, uh, in the debate with Richard Petty's 200 wins, people were saying that gas station owners and uh, plumbers and so forth were taking cars out on the racetrack, and that's all the that's all that Richard was having to beat. Oh, well, maybe possible that some of that's true. Yeah. At Richmond <laughs> in 1967, Cotton Owens was convinced by Popular Science Magazine to enter one of their writers in the race so that he could write an article about NASCAR. Jim Wright qualified 10th. Damn. God almighty. But was spun out on lap three, oh. and the damage just put him out of the race. His article was published three months later. I want to read that article now. I know it. That's great. We got to thank, Sna- thank NASCAR Man on social media, Twitter handle the NASCAR Man. See Jim Utter in a race car? You know, just in a, oh, in, in a race, just to write a story. The Wonder Buster. <laughs> Jim Utter qualifying 10th <laughs> at Bristol at 186 miles an hour. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Don't care what his time was, though. <laughs> All right. That's a good show. See you guys next week. This bit of badassery was made by Dirty Mo Media. Dirty Mo.